That kind of sounds like the opening, right? Yeah, I think that sounded pretty good. Here we are. I mean, with the with the three billion times I've listened to it, just through the editing and everything, I hope to Christ I know what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, here's a little uh, Easter egg. It's actually Happy Birthday, Bossa Nova. That's a that's a that's a deep cut for all you. Oh all yeah, you I thought you were saying like like actually Happy Birthday to the Bossa Nova, and I was like, there's like a day that it. But you mean like that's the name of the, yeah that's the name of the that's thing. The name of the song. All right. Well. Oh shit! I think my hang on. I think my video's messed up. Let me fix it. <laughs> Is that better? Yeah. Yeah. Does that look yeah, good? I, okay. I, I cool. Think, I think you have your uh, your background on from when you're teaching. Oh 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 no! <laughs> so this is from my this is from my Kansai collection streams. Is this? <laughs> am I am I messed up? You know what's, this is uh, you know what's funny. This is your orders, my captain. You know what's funny is that you were sitting on this like little fun technical Zoom prank, and then I was struggling <laughs> to get on Skype for like literally an hour. <laughs> and you just yeah, we literally you just showed me up my my technical prowess in like two seconds with with your little. <laughs> We literally were like, "Hey, you want to start streaming at twelve forty-five? And I was like, "Sure." I mean, I'm I'm a lazy bum, but yeah, let's do it. And then it's fucking two. Yeah, whatever. Who gives a shit? Yeah. All right. Well, we're live. Well, we're here. We're... Hello. It's been <laughs> it's been a minute, as the kid on the streets would say. I think. I'm just gonna leave that up. <laughs> oh shit. Okay, Austin. I, oh, sorry, oh, no. it's oh, distracting no. oh, no. for you. Oh wait, my bad. I've... Oh no, it's broken. I can't change not... it. Oh darn. Oh no. <laughs> Damn. You're going to have to get your stepbrother to go in there and help you change it. Stepbro, can you help? How's this? Okay, I'll go back to Okay, actual thing. I thought the, the Big Titty Bow Girls background was good, but it sounds like someone doesn't <laughs> like it. Well, it doesn't fit today's theme, which is uh, Fiverr Part 2, the much-awaited much, um, much uh, Fiverr Part 2, wherein you, you ordered some Fiverr uh, artists to write some fanfics starring me, and then I um, I hit you right back. Yep. I got We got three fanfics today, all starring... You and I'm just gonna let you know. Wonderful. We have an opening topic, but I'm just gonna let you know that I gave them only the information that you're from Florida and you're tall. Okay. <laughs> that's it. Okay, good. That's it. I mean, sorry if that doxes there's literally, you, but that's that's all I gave them. There's like literally nothing else to my personality. Um, so as long as you gave them the two main things, I guess that's really all that matters. So that's good. Okay. Wonderful. Um, I'm excited to read these. Like, I, I do want to do this opening topic because I feel like it's been a while and we have some stuff to talk about. But, uh, you know, I, 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 we'll see if we can get through it. So what do you think the opening topic is about? Um, uh, what would we talk about in be, an opening topic? Uh, Chris Rock getting slapped by Will Smith and the effects on the fan fiction community. No, see, that seems too timely. Like, that seems like we're going to date ourselves. Like if we if we talk about that, are too you insinuating much, you know? that this isn't like going to stay forever? Like this isn't the most important thing that's ever happened? Well, I forgot. I have seen the news, and it is the most important thing that's ever. It's really nine eleven part two, it, the slap heard around the world. It just uh, it was just voted as the most important thing to ever happen in in this century. That's good. I'm in this century. Yeah, yeah. It's the most important thing to happen within the past. Yeah, it's like three years has happened. That's more important. Oh yeah. Uh, that's just depressing, honestly. Like entirely depressing. <laughs> Um, yeah, and every like literally every single thing on the planet is talking about it. When you um, when you came to Gainesville a couple weeks ago, um, oh wait, I just doxed myself. Well, everyone knows I go to school here, right? Eh, whatever. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Who gives a shit? Yeah, come and find me. If you buy from my eBay store, you're gonna have my address anyway. So good, good. There you go. Buy from the eBay store. I've advertised it on the Twitter. Come and find me. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> um, just don't read Catcher in the Rye on the plane over here. Uh, but uh, when you came and visited, uh, we. Um, 
I was telling you about the Whoopi Goldberg shit, and you didn't know what the view was. And how did I describe it? It was like, it's like four women who know nothing about anything, but talk like they know everything about everything. No, uh, four women. Four women who don't yeah. know anything, but talk about everything. And it's like, that honestly <laughs> yeah, that is it. like a real tagline. That's like something. <laughs> I would, I, somebody would listen to that and be like, you know what? Yeah. I could give him a chance. A bunch of real <laughs> bozos who know nothing, but want to give their opinion anyway. Hey, do you remember the sister act from like 30 years ago? Do you want to hear what uh, the main character of that has to say about World War II and, and the Holocaust? No? That's a surprising to me. I don't believe you. You don't want to accidentally uh, so watch he... it at a dentist's office? All right, what do you got for me? It literally, you, you don't want to walk into grandma's house and it's on because she doesn't know how to turn the channel? Uh, <laughs> um. No, so it's not that – it's not that – I wish it was The View. I kind of wish we had some View fanfic. No, uh, I want to discuss with you something that could potentially be near and dear to your heart. The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. Okay. What are your thoughts so far? Uh, comes out in like November, right? Yeah, I think everything I've seen just sort of says like generally late 2022. So, I think oh, I yeah. read a pretty good take on it. I don't like the uh... – the Amazon Prime veneer, shiny cover that everything mm-hmm. has—it doesn't look like the movies. It does, it looks more Hobbit than yeah than, uh, than Lord of the Rings, and even more so, looks more like new and shiny and CGI than the, than the Hobbit. So I don't know. I'm uh, I'm gonna watch it, obviously, uh, cautiously mm-hmm. optimistic, but I don't have like huge expectations or hopes. So what's really interesting? Have you seen that um, that opener like crawl they did, where like the molten like metals like moving and there's like the steam and all that? Yep, that's actually practical. I did read that. I did yeah. read that. Yeah, and they yeah they uh, use so, like yeah yeah. It's funny that that you say there's like a shiny veneer, and then like one of the things that they uh, like advertise with is practical. Well, I think um, it's just like literally like the shots and like how it's how yeah. how the camera is set. Like it's very clean. It's very mm-hmm. high aspect yeah. ratio. It's just. It's, well, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Peter Jackson film Lord of the Rings on actual film? I honestly don't. All I know is that the, the Hobbit looked terrible because it was 40 FPS, and he like really, yeah, to, and it just looked like it was uh, it was television. it was 60, 60, 60 FPS. Yes, thank you. It looked like yeah, uh, the, the local news. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know what we're talking about uh, with the FPS thing, uh, typical video like first in everything shooter. is a first person shooter. Um, the best one is Modern Warfare Two, where you can shoot a bunch of civilians in an airport. Um, but other FPSs is uh, frames per second, so like the frame rate, the camera taking the photos, and then uh, that, that turns into the frames that slide across the projection back in the day. Uh, and now we just do the same, but like just how often the image changes per second. Uh, typically, it's I think it's actually like 29.97, but it's we just say 30. And um, Peter Jackson was positive that the newest technology was going to say, no, it's 60 frames per second. And your eye can't even track that many frames per second anyway. So... I don't know why he'd think that was a good idea, <laughs> but it looks weird. And but because we're we're basically used to the technology being thirty frames per second, so that's actually what looks real to us because we've told ourselves that's real. I'll say. And then the sixty frames per second. Yo, I was just up? saying, it's like if you ever went over to your friend's house to watch a movie, and maybe you had seen that movie, or you were like familiar with movies from that time, and they put it in their DVD player, like you had never seen Blu-ray before, and you were just looking at it like. What is this? Like, why does everything look so weird and real? Like, why does it look like it's like a window? Yeah. And I can like reach in and I can, it's like, it looks really so real. It's distracting. That happened with me with the green mile on Blu-ray. I was like, why does this look like this? <laughs> why does this look Whenever, good? It's supposed to look bad. My friend's house, I was like, um, it doesn't even look good. It just looks uh, uncanny. It was probably on VHS. Or are you talking about on, when you went to your friend's Blu-ray. house and saw the green mile? Yeah, when I went to oh, my oh, house, okay. Yeah. Blu-ray. 
Um, the same thing happened with a lot of old silent films. Now that they're like restoring them, they're restoring them from like the original negatives. So the silent footage, like film footage or like the really, really old footage looks really good because a lot of film, as, as long as you preserve it well, can scan into HD like no, no problem whatsoever. And, um, and also they can you you can use artificial intelligence to like infer some of the the, the frames that are missing yeah, and you can really yeah. like clean it up. They don't do that as much just because it does look weird. But if you if that's an interesting thing to someone, a Criterion Collection actually talks a lot about that on their YouTube, like video restoration. Um, uh, and well, Ryan and I saw this in theaters. They shall not grow old by Peter Jackson. He talks about restoring old footage at the end of that. And uh, that's a fucking awesome documentary. But they um, a lot of the old silent uh, film uh, or silent movie era films, uh, they were not converted to like VHS or DVD correctly. So they're actually like sped up or slowed down. And so because um, the frames per second rate ends up being higher. And so now when you're watching them with the correct frames per second, a lot of people have said that like the no- the newest like Nosferatu remake is like too slow because they're used to seeing it their entire life sped up because they didn't realize that the frame rate was different. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know why it's important to any of this, but I guess maybe it's just because it's like Lord of the Rings is taking a different approach than what people are used to with uh, or Amazon's taking a different approach with Lord of the Rings than what people are used to. And that could be something that's so, sort of like uncanny to the person who's watching it. Where it's like this doesn't look regular. This doesn't look right. Like I don't, I don't like the way that this looks. Um, I agree with that for sure. Um, but also, just full transparency. I know I was, I was like live texting you as I finally watched them. I finally saw the Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> eh. No, like, like I, it's maybe it's just it's, maybe it's just one of those things where it's like I needed to have experienced it when it happened. You know what I mean? No, I mean I could definitely see it's 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 they're they're of their own. They're of a different, totally different. Like they'll never be like that again. Obviously, they'll never make movies like a movie like that again. But it's um no, yeah, it's just like slow. It's like I, I was. It's not like I mean I feel like we may be conditioned kind of with like some fan service or maybe some some more explanation. There really yeah. is like there's like a yeah. lot of you know like talking and and uh, and voiceover work yeah. on that, but none of it really helps you to understand what's going on. So you're just kind of no. like, all right, Gandalf came back, left and came back like 10 times in the first five minutes, and then he's gone the rest of the movie, and I have no idea <laughs> yeah, what's dude. happening right now. And then they're all split up, and they're saying names, and there's like nobody's even bothering to explain anything. Um, so, I, I mean, I, and as a yeah. I think the perfect – so what your point was is I think the perfect time to experience that for me was when I was a kid, and I was like not going to understand any of that or even try anyway. So I was just like, oh, mm. wow, cool, ah, oh, cool, wow. So I could just, one Whoa. thing to another. It's like if you really go back and watch Phantom Menace, they're talking about, like, trade blockades. Like, when we saw that as kids, yeah. we didn't think about that. I don't care about, yeah. We didn't yeah, hear it. Yeah. But that's what got people so mad when they first saw it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the, yeah, like I said, maybe I just needed to have experienced it when it came out. So here's, this is funny. I actually know for a fact that I purchased a ticket for a Lord of the Rings movie. And it was because my mom and I could not get into the Harry Potter movie because there were no seats left. Um, so we snuck into the Harry Potter movie and watched the, the first one. It was actually really We snuck in, and I think I had to watch it on her lap. Hmm. Um, so I went and saw Harry Potter instead of Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's pretty good. I mean, that's a, that's a good trade. As long so, as you didn't anyway. go see, like, uh, you know, you yeah, went to go you know, see Bad yeah. Teacher starring Cameron Diaz instead of, like, Citizen Kane. Okay. Okay, but see, the thing is, until you actually become a teacher, that grading scene does not become more real to you. Um, 
it's one of the best moments in cinema where she's like, are you fucking stupid in red pen? I can't tell you what that feels like, dude. I cannot tell you what it feels like to grade when people just don't know what they're that doing. That movie came out on um, my 16th and I, birthday. And I teach. I it teach. came out on my 16th birthday yeah. and I drove to go see it. And I had to sneak in because it was R, but I still drove to see it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Did you like it? No. I, I, I don't hate that movie. Uh, I mean, it's a perfectly passable, like, mid-2010s comedy. That's the point of the movie. Uh, I had, uh, the the weekend of my birthday, I had Lone Survivor, American Sniper, 13 Hours, and fuck, what was the other one that came out? Because in high school, it, like, became a thing where me and my friends would go eat Winghouse and then go see a war movie. <laughs> well, you just wanted to run um, through on my a, birthday. A red, white, and blue For, like, literally wall. no reason. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was. It was like, let's go to Wing House um, and get really sick off of the disgusting. Zero Dark Thirty. That was the other one. Yes, yes, yes. You knew, dude. I knew you know it. Yeah, that's what it was. So it was, it was literally like, like pop, 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 pop. Like they literally came out all like the same weekend or like close to the same weekend of my Mm -hmm. birthday. So I'd be like, you know, know, damn, thirteen hours just came out. I gotta wait a week to go see with my friends. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta wait, darn. um, Damn it, I gotta wait. So, anyways, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Do you know what Rings of Power is based on? And this is again, this is coming from someone who doesn't really care, has no tie to it. I don't have a dog in this fight at all, so I'm really just trying to trigger. Not really, you. I don't uh, know what it's based on. I haven't, I haven't looked at it. So, if I, if I'm correct, the original books, the movies take place in the Third Age. Okay, is that is that right? Sure. Well, you didn't sound really confident by saying sure like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, so. okay, yeah. Let's say yes. Yep, mm-hmm, yep. Okay, bitch. Sure, you ain't no hobbit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> bitch are you sure you ain't a hobbit i'm looking really stupid right now uh i believe that that's all set in the third age and so lord of the rings rings of power is set in the second age okay right on so before the events of the hobbit or lord of the rings there's some interesting and, thing in that like sauron is essentially like lucifer like he's very handsome and he goes around he like yeah. guiles people and he like sails yep sails uh west to the, the the like you know the undying realm and all this stuff so there's some interesting stuff they could do with that for sure so do you know this because of the lore that you know, or do you know this because of something that they've released, like official press the release lore. or something? Okay, so you know this because of the lore. Okay, so basically what happened, um, and I, I had to look it up because I didn't want to get it wrong. Amazon so far, please guess how much money they've spent on production Ooh. and ob- like the option cost Pro- to option oh, the, the material. Prob- like Probably more than like 40, 50 million. Brother, come on. 100, 110. <laughs> come on. You are very off. What is it? They have spent over one billion dollars on the Lord of the Rings so far. Oh no! Oh no! It's just like when they got uh, when they bought MGM. It's like the Oscars yeah. did a big like farewell to James Bond, not because Daniel Craig won't be Bond anymore, but now it's gonna be like, well, there's gonna be like eight hundred terrible Amazon Prime James Bond TV shows. So that was nice. That was a good run. I feel like this. Like, yes, we're gonna get like. Oh my god, we're gonna get that Tom Bombadil finally, but he's gonna get his own mini series. It's gonna be like twenty seasons. Exactly, and they're gonna fucking milk it for and all it's, it's worth, starring, and, and it's gonna be worth it's a lot. Be starring like some random actor that like everyone, like the guy who plays, uh, the guy who plays like the main character from Succession. Like he'll burn out, and everyone will forget about mm-hmm. him, and then he'll play Tom Bombadil for like four seasons, and then and he'll win every award, possible. right? And then like one person yeah. you know will watch it, and be like that show's really good. No, oh, that Jesus. show's really. Uh, I can already hear that. I already know people really who would good. say that to me. Actually, you'd be really surprised at how good it yeah, is. You'd be blown away. Sneaky and I, Pete, I think... bro. Sneaky Pete's the best show ever made. Bro. Jesus Christ. Bro, look at me. I think what, what makes this like so fascinating is the fact that Coda, which is a Apple what? Plus TV, Apple TV Plus, Coda. Huh? 
Oh, you motherfucker. Okay. What about, well, it? What about it? What about it? It was just one. It just won the Oscar. Yeah, yeah. So here now we have streaming being taken seriously. They're winning the highest award in all the land. Um, I and they, they, I think it has for a while with TV. I, I feel like streaming is like, it's like, this is like the worst time to win it. Cause now it's like, the, this is like the full decline of like the Oscars and what any of it really means. It's like, yeah, no one gives a shit they anymore. Win, but like, yeah. they also, by winning, they had to destroy it. Like they had to fully make it. So no yeah. one cared about film or going to see At movies all. and then they yeah. won. So like, Hey, if they had won in like 2014 or 2012, like that'd be pretty cool. But they had to literally mm-hmm. bring everything down into the mud and then they won. And it's so funny because the people that won are still treating it like it's worth a shit. And, like, everyone's like, nobody cares. Yeah. Like, literally the only reason anyone knows about this Oscars is because of the slap heard around the world, 9-11.2. It's, it's not because of Coda winning or or Dune winning six Oscars. All off screen. Um, all off screen. Okay, all so off let's screen. get to your point. Let's <laughs> not get, a single let's one. Get to your point. No one cares about Everyone so my, hates Dune, bro. Everyone, everyone hates Dune. It's the we worst movie so, ever. We my so point is, about Dune and then Spider-Man came out and set literal all-time records. We're like, that's good for the yeah. pandemic. And then Spider-Man comes out. Spider-Man, I got okay, Doctor Strange is, not... chocolate in my Spider-Man peanut butter extravaganza comes out. And I was gonna say it's not money. the it's not the third Spider-Man movie. It makes, it's the seventh Spider-Man movie now in that it series. It makes more money than Avengers Endgame. But that's what these fucking parasitic matter, leeches dude. at Disney do. They don't actually fucking care about stories. They're leeching off of fucking uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. That's the only reason anyone gave a shit about that movie. Nobody fucking cared about Spider-Man 3 until they knew for a fact Green Goblin was going to be in it and fucking Doc Ock. They can't do anything that's worth that's worth any <laughs> while, okay? They have to fucking steal from shit from the past because they are fucking creatively bankrupt. I'm so – whatever. Dude, okay. I love you, Dune. Why, I love Dune. I'm trying to trigger you and you triggered me. God damn it. I love Dune. It was one of the best movies. It was one of the best movies I've ever seen in theaters, hands down. It got – Oh, the RPX experience is amazing. It got dunked on. It got dunked on this summer. Dunked on hard. I know it did. I know. And that's fine. And then guess what? The Batman with Pattinson also did really well. Okay. Whatever. Why the fuck do I care? But okay. So my point, I'm trying to trigger you, and I'm getting triggered. My point is, Lord of the Rings is spending a billion dollars, so they're not going to let this go easy if it doesn't do well. Sort of like, aka, the Wheel of Time, which nobody watched, and the people that did watch it fucking hated it. Um, and if you're out there and you're listening to this and you love the Wheel of Time, that's great. I'm really happy for you. I'm not. I'm, I'm not shitting on the Wheel of Time. I'm just saying that generally, the things that I've seen, no one really liked it. Um, which is another beloved fantasy series that they spent a ton of money on. Lord of the, uh, Amazon has plunged a, 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 a billion dollars into this. Uh, guess how much they optioned? Um, or guess, guess how much they spent on just the first season alone of uh, Rings of Power? Is that production or just like the rights to it? I believe production. It's the, the production budget, which I think includes paying the actors and actresses. I mean, probably like 200 mil. Like a, 462 million. That's less than they put into Spider-Man, which is the highest grossing best film ever made. <laughs> ever made. Avatar only used this much money. Yes, uh, 462 million. Then they basically have option costs. They have the cost to um, advertise it, as they've done. Um, and when they optioned it, what's really weird, and of course all this is happening after Christopher Tolkien passes away. So Christopher Tolkien, uh, to my understanding, because I've done a little reading on all this, Really, really, really didn't want anyone to destroy his dad's legacy and the legacy that he put into saving his dad's work with the Cimmerillion and stuff like that. Uh, if, if I'm wrong, please correct me since you're the no, dude. The, the, to the me, fan. I mean, I love the movies. I love the live action movies. To me, mm-hmm. only the CBS cartoons from the 70s and 80s are canon. <laughs> those are the only canon, and they're so okay. Good. Got it. They're so good. Okay, got and it. Those are on Amazon. I don't know if you're being sarcastic. That was part of them. That are was you... part of Amazon buying it. Is if you have Amazon, it probably if you is. have Amazon Prime, you can go watch them right now for free, and you should do that. I'm probably yeah. Um, 
And so Chris Tolkien passes. The Tolkien estate decides, well, I mean, there's still water in this well. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's and, two generations removed, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and also, like, quite frankly, if my grandpa was, or great-grandpa was J.R. Tolkien and I own the rights to his shit, fuck you, dude. I'm gonna, I mean, I'm just like, make the money. Like, I literally don't have to do anything. And you'll just pay me hundreds of millions of dollars because of my great-grandfather. J.R.R. Tolkien Jr., also known as J.R.R.J.R., riding around J-R-J-R. on his hoverboard at the set being like, sorry, what? Small dude, just ripping like literally the, on your the director doing a pivot like a, a spin, <laughs> just like pivoting, spinning on your hoverboard, looking down, looking down. Oh, oh, like, hey, do you mind if we uh, do we mind if we just like change all of this? He looks up. Oh, sorry, what's up? Yeah, whatever. Dude. What's up? What's up? <laughs> just writes a fat fucking vape cloud in the director's face, and he's like, I'm going to destroy your grandfather's legacy, you little prick. <laughs> all right, so, um, <laughs> okay, so they're spending all this money. What's the, okay? So they're spending spending all this money, uh, over a billion dollars at this point. That's billion. And- with a Z, over a zillion dollars at this point. And it's not really based on anything that Tolkien wrote, like directly, like story-wise. So it's 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 taking the concept of the Second Age. I, From what I know, things were alluded to, like you said, with like, um, what's his face? Evil motherfucker acting like Lucifer. Yep, Darth Vader. Darth Vader. But there's not really like too, too much going on that he wrote in the Second Age. And I think that was on purpose. Um on Tolkien's part, uh, apparently it was estimated that Amazon. I'll have to see. I think I think they just announced that Amazon also just bought the rights to The Hobbit. What is? Let me make sure before that, I say that. that they can show The Hobbit on Amazon Prime, or that they're going to like. No, they're going to redo it. Honestly? Yeah, Amazon defy J.R. Tolkien's wish by rights to The Hobbit. So now Honestly, Amazon basically. I, I would. I wouldn't mind if they, if they redid The Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> so so Amazon basically just bought. Start of the second age all the way until the end of The Hobbit. So they own all of that in between. Interesting. Uh, but they're not... Who, wait, so, they're so, using so, Lord so of the, the actual Lord of the Rings, like the, the trilogy, that's still owned by, like, Harvey Weinstein, right? Whoever, yeah, yeah. Harvey Weinstein and Whoopi Goldberg and Mel Gibson. Yeah, whoever own it. Uh, oh, there's a new they, Passion of the Christ movie coming out. You gotta go see it? Oh, for sure. It's the it's the, the Resurrection. Yeah, it's gonna be trippy. I can't wait, dude. You ready, ready really for good. it to lap uh, Dune at the box office? I hope so. I hope it does. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear. Forget Herbert, uh, we need more Christ. We need to go with Christ. Uh, so Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power come out, and it's not about really anything in the universe, like any stories. There is the uh, – I'm going to sound like a complete fucking idiot because I, I, I care, but not that much. The the main elf female. What is her Galadriel. name? Galadriel. She is in the show. It's about her. They talk about how uh, – at, at, there are story like elements. Kate Blanchett is cast. No, oh, no, go. they're just using someone let's else. Let's go recast. Let's go. Um, here, I'll tell you who is playing. They her. should get Vigo Mortensen um, to, play, to play her, just to like mess with everybody. <laughs> uh, Morfid Clark is playing Galadriel, so she's in this. I think this. when I saw the cast list as well, I was like, oh, a bunch of like vaguely Nordic names. I'm like, oh, this is yeah. not for me. Uh, Robert Arameo is playing Elrond, who I know is in the first one because of the Council of he's Elrond, got, he's right? Got a big forehead. Council of Elrond Hubbard. Yep. Yeah. Hugo, Hugo Weaving, the the Red Skull. Sorry. You have to yes, put it in of course. Terms, yeah. Sorry. Understand. Red Skull. Marvel. Marvel. The terms, Red Marvel Skull. Terms, yeah. Red the Skull. Guy thank you. Who didn't Red, show up. Red Skull, but not in Infinity War because that's the dude from The Walking Dead. Yep. Did you know that Hugo Weaving? Yes. Is yes. Yes. Yeah. Infinity yeah. They got some random guy to play him. Yeah. Um. It's Ross Marquand, and he's a really good actor. Uh. Was he in Spider-Man: so, No Way Home? He might have been. He likely should have. I haven't seen that. He wasn't. One, I, don't so care. I don't care if he wasn't. 
Uh, Galadriel, from what I know, there's uh, the Tolkien I described Galadriel in her youth as being a strong fighter of Amazon disposition, and the series shows her journey from that point to becoming the elder stateswoman that the character is more commonly known as. And it's going to have some like revenge story about her brother dying or some shit like this. Bunch of other shit. Here's my question for you. We're going to spend a billion dollars on all this. If none of it actually connects, really, besides just the name of Galadriel, to the rest of the story, or like to the rest of Lord of the Rings, why do you need the Lord of the Rings moniker? What's the fucking point? Isn't this just fan fiction? Because Tolkien didn't write any of this. So who the fuck has to say to write this? Well, you need, you, need, uh, you need the moniker the same way that fan fiction needs the very medium it is in order to survive. You gotta get, people got to watch it. You obviously failed with The Wheel of Time, which is already beloved, very famous book series. Does not have any yeah. stake in really film or television. And nobody nobody cares about the show. And when I say if you, are, if you care about the show, that's good. I mean generally. Nobody so fucking cares. So you just cares. need a big, hot, steaming pile of IP to superimpose your stories on top of. I mean, and honestly, so it, doesn't, it doesn't – I mean like it's interesting to like go in an age that really wasn't covered and do your completely your own thing because other than that, you're literally just like – Copy, paste the screen. Copy, paste the screen. I feel like aren't we aren't we always okay, pushing for I, like we're sick of adaptation? Isn't this like a new cool way to do adaptation to be like in the world? So there's there's a couple things that I I think are in, are important. The world building is created to supplement the story that is being told. Correct. Mm-hmm. Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings as, to my understanding, uh, he basically wanted to give England a shared mythology that it did not have. Is that about? Right where I am. Yeah, because King Arthur is not a thing. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, of course. But uh, wh- you know what we what need? I, More national pride. Where's the national pride in mythology? Legolas sat down and cooked a tikka masala. <laughs> <laughs> but you get my point. Is like with, um, I mean, the, the whole idea of like Norse mythology. All obviously, this is all really heavily adapted or based on North, Norse mythology. Apparently, but. Uh, Tolkien wanted to create was his own sort of like English mythology. Cool. That is sort of like I don't why the fuck would you create more? The story that was being told had a purpose. The purpose that he had with the themes, with the characters, with the messaging that he had uh, um, if you're not sticking or if you're not directly relating to that thing why the fuck do you need to be in that particular universe is my question. And the thing that I'll, I'll compare it to is the idea of the Star Wars and like the High Republic or Star Wars and whatever the fuck else. I think anything that is a prequel absolutely loses its stakes yeah. because who fucking yeah. cares? Um, especially if we get here and the threat is that what's-his-face is going to come back and be a big baddie because we know that he won't. Get, uh, guess what? We know he won't because we know it. No, won't, my fucking voice. We know he won't. Because we know what happens later but down the he line. Will, he um, may, so he I, I personally feel like they really, really could uh, kill. He could kill. But he might. I think they really fuck themselves by choosing played by Milgan Hervet. Just a bunch of syllables slammed together. He might kill that person. Yeah, Milgan Hervet. Yeah, but you get my point. Like it's like with watching the Rogue One. Like watching Rogue One, I liked Rogue One, but also I knew it was going to happen. So why am I investing? Feel about, uh, I mean, there's there's. You're literally just giving this story. Honestly, so this is what I'll say is different. Rogue One had a direct uh, connection to the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. So you knew it was going to happen. Mandalorian and Star Wars is big enough to where 
if the stakes are low enough, and I think this is what Amazon needs to do for this to be successful enough, and don't have an impact on a direct impact on things that happen later in the story, then then it it, it is appropriate. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think there's enough stories, especially the ones that were kind of like supplemented and largely written by Chris Token later, that you could do something that's in that universe, so people can be like, "Oh, wow, cool," but mm-hmm. is not does not have an impact on the plot. Like I remember we were at the bookstore. Exactly, I was, I was dunking on the Children of Huron. Not really related. Not going to have like. You oh, know, that's uh, Lord of the Rings. Right. Not going to have like yeah. huge impact on like, you know, the characters, you know, live or the characters, you know, are going to ultimately fail or triumph. Yeah. It's just good, you know, interesting, cool drama set in this world that we love. Like that would be a good option. I get what you're saying. They want to have their big tent pole, like Amazon's equivalent. Amazon wants to eventually release something equivalent to a Star Wars or equivalent to a Lord of the Rings. You know, yeah. that's what they want. They, they don't have anything like that. They don't have any no, and- big budget IP. Big, and the thing, know, the thing know. is, I think George Lucas proved that you don't—you just have to steal, but you don't have to directly adapt a story for it to be big and for it to resonate. Um, maybe you do adapt and it becomes big. I, I don't understand why someone like Netflix, someone like Amazon, doesn't pump a billion dollars into a series that is popular, is beloved, like The Wheel of Time. But you do it right. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I haven't seen it. I haven't read the books. I, mean, I don't know anything about I mean, it. What is right? I, That's what they're trying. They're not trying to do it wrong. You know what I mean? They're they're like, they're just. That's true. That's a good point. Like You could do something like Netflix and just like, mm-hmm. like you say, like steal it, but don't be too overt, but actually be super overt. And then they make Stranger Things and it's super popular. And it's as, well, yeah, there you go. as the property that it's it's ripping off. Yeah. But that's just. That takes a lot of legwork. That takes a lot of marketing dollars to get people in the door and, and buy on, and, and it might not work. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's probably like 15 of those that didn't work, and we never even saw them. Whereas that's true, you have built-in eyeballs with established IP. And if you're Amazon, you're not in the business of growing and seeding things. You're like, I'm just, what do I have to do to make a billion dollars? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just, I got, <laughs> I got to make money. I mean, that's what they're, which, which is why they're not a great. It's going to drive up. Why they're not a great content creator. <laughs> They're so business focused. They just... They're not. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I just I don't understand how this is going to drive up Prime sales, because if Prime Video is connected to the same exact thing that makes your loot at your door a day sooner, I don't know how those two things are connected. You know what I mean? Like, I don't get the idea of, oh, we're going to pump a billion dollars into this thing that we didn't come up with and we're creatively bankrupt, but we're going to steal from. And how that's going to translate into, oh, you can get your books three days faster. Like, that doesn't make any sense yeah, to me. I mean... When you go, when you get Disney Plus or the, the Disney Plus bundle, which I admit I think is a pretty slamming deal, honestly, with the Hulu and the ESPN, you're not you're not also getting like foot massages every Wednesday because you've bought the Disney Plus bundle. You know what I mean? Like, there's not a thing tacked right. on top of it that it doesn't have to do with because, entertainment. It's just purely entertainment content. Based. So I I don't even know how they're going to be able to track sales it's just because Disney is content and content first. Like they're not trying to get into another game. Like. Yeah, Prime is way out of their lane. Okay, so you, maybe that's the problem. This feels like content yeah, afterthought. It is. I mean, that's Amazon. Like, like we're trying to get off you something on top of your shoes exactly. getting here. Amazon is. They didn't start out. They started out as a bookstore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, they're barely. There's a reason that nobody cares about their shows and nobody cares about Amazon Prime Music, even though we all have it. But we still yeah. pay for. We still pay okay. for Spotify. Literally, no one gives a shit. Why yeah. are we doing that? It's, yeah, you know, exactly. There's a reason, and it's because it all sucks. Because it's not exactly what we want. Like it's it probably is, yeah. good it, enough. It, it's soulless. We're, and it's we're like, we're like we could be like giant babies. Like we could save a ton of money and just pray at the altar of Bezos, and it would be probably fine. But it's just not good enough. It's just missing that because it's it's way out yeah, of its lane. Yeah. Way out of its lane. 
I think that's it. And I think that's the issue. And so when you when you hear that they spent a billion dollars, when you hear that, oh, we're going to make The Hobbit too. Don't you worry, you little pricks. <laughs> when you hear that, that was like, when, when you, <laughs> we're going to make it too, you little bitch. But when you hear that they're doing that, when you hear that they're doing a story that Tolkien didn't write, when you hear that they're uh, casting people that some Hobbit fans and Lord of the Rings fans didn't like, whatever the fuck that shit is, it's just, to me, it's just sort of like, why? Like, just stop. You know what, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I either make your own thing and make it really well, or just don't do it at all. Like, I, I, I'm just getting really tired of these. And I understand that the family had to sell it. I'm getting really tired of these, like, huge corporations thinking they can get into the quote-unquote content creation business. And then they just, like, do whatever they want with it. Like, make your own fucking story, the people being paid to adapt it. Um, and clearly we see that some people who are good at adapting aren't good at creating stories, a.k.a. Game of Thrones. But I don't know. It just it just seems like a waste of time. Alex, Amazon is a space company and a space company first. Whatever else they want to do, they can, that's, but it's just not going to be as good. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, bro. Like, what, Amazon, like how foolish he's... would it be if Walmart was like, hey, come to Walmart Omega. We have TV shows. What? They're like, yeah, watch all the Roseanne and Reba. You can. And it's like, no one fucking cares, dude. This is Walmart. <laughs> dude, like, honestly? Literally? Honestly. <laughs> Walmart has a pretty dedicated fan base. Like they would know exactly what properties to pick up, and it could be huge. Like, if you want to see, I swear Roseanne to God, Barr, they'd probably be more successful. If you want to see Roseanne Barr on her show and not get kicked off of it, you're gonna go to Walmart Omega Plus. Dude, it's like <laughs> not Walmart Omega. Walmart Omega Plus, because Walmart Omega is something Omega, totally Omega plus, different. Plus, plus Walmart extra. Omega Plus is streaming. Walmart oh Omega fuck, is dude. this. You is nothing. You, you don't want that. It would it would be like Walmart jams and it's their music streaming and it's just Toby Keith and Garth Brooks. <laughs> it's just those two, but for some reason there's 800 billion well, people who are listening all the time. With, uh, with Target, and if you buy the Adele Target CD, it's got one extra song on it, and she sings about you know red yep. light special sales or something. I don't know. I've never gotten it. So yeah. I don't know. Well, it's like it's uh, well, it's also already kind of happened with Walmart, and it, it, it it's really uh, sort of incredible that this isn't really discussed more because everyone that discusses things in the media are a bunch of uh, cultural elitist pricks. And what it, what I'm saying is, I think it's Garth Brooks. You know, he is like, I think like one of the greatest recording artists of all time. Like as far his as sales go, awesome. he like gives away um, free homes at his shows. You know, he does. But, but part of the reason that he's so popular and that he's so big is because of the fact that Walmart, um, I think he has an exclusive uh, distribution deal with Walmart on CDs. Why is that important? Because for a majority of the area of the country, so the parts that are not on the, 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 the coasts, for a very long time, their internet was not very good to their phones. So, And to this day, it still really isn't in a lot of places. So CDs are actually still super popular or downloading music to your phone before or whatever. Okay, I get it. But when you were traveling for a long time, CDs were still really important. Walmart's everywhere in the South and the Midwest. And so people would literally go there and just buy Garth Brooks CDs because that's yeah. what was there. Um and that, I mean, I think it's Garth Brooks. It was smart marketing. Uh, he knew his not, audience. He knew where he needed to be. Yeah. yeah. And and so it's like, I now that we're talking about it, I think we need to go to Walmart and kind of, you know, see what's going on. See if they can Walmart give us a cut. But the, the point is, <laughs> Walmart Omega Plus, fuck you, bitch. Uh, <laughs> but I guess my point with that is, uh, Walmart doesn't provide entertainment. Why the fuck is Amazon trying to be, and why, it's like with Facebook. Okay, so Facebook is now, uh, uh, fucking meta. So it's Facebook, 
It's WhatsApp. It's Instagram. It's Oculus. It's well, shove it up your ass. It's just things. like they're not. They actually. Well, they actually do yeah. have like a video game studio. They're trying to make Oculus stuff, but they're. But, but that's because they have a proprietary yeah. technology that no one. There's not like VR video game developer companies that are say, huge yeah. that can make AAA I would say titles. Even that is probably a closer leap than going from sure. being like a logistics supply chain company to a movie studio. And it just yeah. goes to show, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, money can't buy everything. Like, it just doesn't look good. Yeah. You know, it's not about you but, can't just, like, pump cash into something and it becomes great. But, yeah. you know, it's also new. In 10, 15 years, maybe it all catches but, up. Okay, maybe but see, see I'm, going, I'm going to see if I can contradict what you just said about pumping money into things. And I, I think this is uh, an important thing to consider when we're talking about these things. When I was in high school, I will admittedly say I really, uh, in the last two years, prided myself on the way that I dressed. Didn't have a lot of money, but I always tried to dress nice. Okay. Um, I put, you know, I put thought into like style, all this other stuff. Fast forward to this one day where we're talking about senior superlatives. I don't give a fuck about senior superlatives, whatever. Didn't care. Whatever. High school was huge. So I wasn't going to win anything anyways. Um, terrible personality. Wasn't going to win anything anyways, but I was sitting in class and there was this kid who was a, just an absolute shithead and B always had really expensive clothes. But he didn't like wear them the right way. You know what I mean? Like he'd, he'd have like clashing patterns. He would just like, I don't know, just the, the, the styles didn't match. Like it's, you know, ba- breaking basic tenets of, of fashion. Uh, one of the softest things I've ever said was that, but I'll keep going. <laughs> and, and we were sitting there and we were all just like, oh, who would be, you know, senior superlatives in class? And someone goes, oh, I think so-and-so's best dressed. And I'm like, what? I'm like, look at, what are you talking about? Look at him. Like none of that matches. And they go, but yeah, but it's, it's all Gucci. And I was like, so it doesn't fucking matter if it's all Gucci. It doesn't match. And then like, there were a lot of people who were like, I don't know. He might be the best dressed. <laughs> So when you say you can't just pump out a $500 million turd and people know that there's no style there, I don't know if that's entirely true. Because I don't know if uh, for some people all that really matters is the, the, uh, the price. You know, like the, the, sh- the shimmer, the glimmer, the, um, the, the whatever you want to call it. Like maybe the substance doesn't have to be there. Maybe the thoughtfulness doesn't have to be there. Maybe for some people it's content. My brain doesn't work very good and this looks pretty. And I think that's exactly what Amazon is betting on. And most of those people already have uh, Amazon Prime subscriptions that they use for right. their parents, like right. from their parents. And they so, use yeah. it to buy their Funko Pops. Um, I'm just going to put a pin before exactly. we move on to the fix. This already happened many years ago when – remember when like every okay. fast food chain was putting out a video game, like a disc you could put? Like, <laughs> yeah, for you could sure. Yeah, yeah, King and like ride a skateboard or yeah. maybe like Wendy and like – I used to fuck around with that pizza at exactly. one for the computer. It's not – yeah, all the, it was a, it was a, a, a delivery driver was was skating and you had to like get the newer, through a city. The con, the newer the the newer and more open the the field or the media is, the more like established large corporations think I could do that. I could jump in there. I guess hey, so. What is that a video yeah. game? I'm Pizza Hut. I could do that. What is this streaming? I'm, I'm Amazon. I could do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm Apple. I'm a I'm a phone company. Fuck you. Here's foundation. All right. Okay. So yeah, we've this, yeah. So okay. So here's my. I guess we'll just put the pin on it. Here's my question. Do you want to know how the seventh of the ninth rings uh, was uh, passed through the bowel of some dude in the first age or the third age? Like, is that something that you're interested in? Because we're going to get that eventually. Is that fan fiction? Uh, yeah, well, no, they own it, right? I've asked you this a hundred times. They own it, so no. Oh, yeah. I've asked you, is yeah, it ever I guess comic if you... you read fan fiction? Because it's not the guy who made it or the gal who made it. And you said, That's true. No, they own it. Well, okay, but again, the difference, again, I think I'll point the difference is the company has always owned that property and they did not option the property. The, the property of Lord of the Rings is still owned by the Tolkien estate. It's officially optioned. It's, it's lent out. I mean. <sighs> it's leased. They've leased the, the yeah. rights. 
So the fan fiction you write, you get it for five years. Fan fiction they write, they can stream and make millions of dollars off of. All I'm saying is I'm encouraging all five people who are going to listen to this to write better Amazon or write better fan fiction about Lord of the Rings than Amazon or ever could. Write better Amazon fan fiction than than J.R. Tolkien. And Lord of the Rings exactly. ever could. Great. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Good. Uh, well, that was fun. What did you think? Was that a good opening I topic? I what that topic was. The point was, is it is it fan fiction? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a new one. Yeah, no, it was good. I, I appreciate that. And I didn't know about the show. The fuck do you mean that's a new one? I literally asked you, is this fan fiction, I, you I, dick? Uh, no, and I, uh, and I didn't know about the show, so I feel like I learned a lot about it, and that's good. Thank you. That was good. I'll send you more stuff on it. I, what's really crazy is I'll, um, I'll someone did this breakdown. They had these different um, – they had this ad that was shown of – it was – this is just – this just blows my mind. They flew in different influencers from all around the world to watch the teaser trailer. And then they literally filmed the people's reactions to the teaser trailers and then did interviews with all of the people reacting to their reactions to a teaser trailer. I want to fucking kill myself. That's a YouTube channel that's just that. Literally. And and it's, it's literally like, Reaction from Germany, reaction from influencers yeah. in Italy, in Spain, in the U.S., and and wherever else. Okay, but then this dude does, did this breakdown on like the pacing of the trailer, and he literally was like, "No, you don't understand. They would have had to shoot these reactions like three separate times because none of this makes sense in continuity." And so it's literally like there's one where they'll like they'll cut to because you know the, the teacher's like right. thirty seconds, and they'll cut to the person, and they're literally like. Like looking up at the screen, wide eyes, like whatever. And then literally they'll cut to the thing for a second and cut back to the person and they're like on their phone recording it or like taking a picture, like like doing a selfie, and it's like that that continuity right, right, wise right. Yeah, doesn't the, make in sense. like the two seconds you so look it's, up at the it's, camera. It's a yeah. soulless directed reaction. It's not even a real reaction. Amazon is even manufacturing the reactions of the people they've paid a lot of money to talk about the thing that nobody wants to watch. Well, to be in Amazon's defense, they probably were like, hey, you're content creators. What do you want to do? And they came up with the worst possible idea ever because... Well, yeah, not very yeah. intelligent. Yeah. All right. That's fair. I'll show you, I'll send you the breakdown. I, I, I didn't know you didn't go down this rabbit hole already, and I want to bring you with me. I'm in the mud, and I'd like to drag okay, you down. let's do it. Uh, let's read some. Uh, let's, read some <laughs> let's read some nice let's read some content, things. some real, earth, okay. earthy, some good content. crunchy content. Yes. So to, I will, I guess, to give a, a a flashback, a reminder, the first episode, the first five episode was episode 55. And I surprised Ryan by, uh, uh, what's, what is it? What's it called? Uh, hiring people on Fiverr? There's a word for it. I propositioned, yes. Three separate people on Fiverr. I commissioned. That's what I was looking for, you asshole. Um, I commissioned people on Fiverr to write stories about Ryan. Um I'll ask it now because I've been curious. I also commissioned I a nope, furry artist. Motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> I, I gave Ryan I did a furry have, There was a guy uh, persona. who was going to – I wanted to do fan fiction music, and he was going to create a score, like a, a musical score similar to the to like the soundtrack of like your favorite movies. And I was like, great. Okay. It was going to be like 60 bucks. And I was like, nah. No, no. That's too much. I'd get mad at you if you did listen that. Listen to my fanfic. Stick my fanfic in okay. your ear is what I would have called it. In your ear. Okay. Well, that's cool. Okay, so I surprised you with some. I kind of did some fandoms that you like. I think all three of them were ones you liked, right? Star Wars, Calvin and Hobbes, and then what was the third one? Harry Potter. Why'd you hate them? Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, I had you uh, have sex with Hermione. That was it. She was she was in charge of like the Ministry of whatever, and you like had sex in her office. Okay, I remember. Those were great. What are you talking about, dude? They were awesome. I felt. I just want to. I felt the need to at least meet that quality level, so I went out and I found three excellent. 
uh, creators, Good. and I picked three of your favorites. And I'm not going to have you have okay. sex with anybody. It's not going to be zany. I wanted to. I wanted them to give it their best, <laughs> shot. motherfucker. So I, I okay. really wanted some good, and I feel like we got three very okay. solid, very, very in, okay. in, interesting pieces for you to look at. And I, I honestly, to, to anyone listening, I, I have not read these. I pulled them up on my um, computer. That's all I did. Obviously, like if I catch a glance of a word, I caught a glance of a word. So I, I don't know what they're about. Um, I can guess. There's probably going to be one about Dune. Um, the other two, I really don't know. Um, and then one of the priorities I had is I wanted to try to like hit fanfic tropes, which is why we did the sex. But then for the Star Wars one that I, I really enjoyed and we made a pretty cool Internet fan, uh, friend, Danny, um, and she's she's the person that wrote it in the when we became friends on Twitter. And she's really cool um, with that one. We also had the uh, the soulmate trope. That's good. Remember? And that like, yeah, that, that one was so like much predicted uh, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, A little bit. It wasn't not Rise of Skywalker, which is stupid. Um so I we'll see if Ryan went for any tropes. We'll see if they just hit the tropes on their own. I'm I'm honestly very excited. I've been waiting a while to 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 read these. So um, if you're ready, I'm ready, Ryan. All right, I'm gonna mute my mic so I can clear my throat so I can read and then and then we're good. I believe um, I believe this first one is uh, comes to you by way of Deborah Connell. Deborah okay. Connell on okay. Fiverr. So thank you to her. Okay, just fantastic work. Very responsive. Uh, she was very easy to work with. Oh, good. Yeah. So this is the this is the one that you labeled one. I think this is it. Okay, it's eleven hundred ninety nine yeah, words. All beefy. No, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm excited to see what I did or what happened to me. I don't know. So, um, all right, wonderful. One. I you I guess you'll tell me the title afterwards. Uh, they don't have titles. They don't. Have there titles. is a title. Yeah. Oh, perfect. So number one. People assumed that Alex had never questioned his life choices. I'd assumed because he was so good at his life's vocation that he had never contemplated if it was his right path, the right path, whether or not there was something out there that could make him happier or happy to begin with, he guessed, because in reality, Alex questioned it every day on whether or not he was doing the right thing, had long debates with himself on how his choices affected others. With a taller than average height, good build (laughs) and stern expression that felt permanently fixed to his face, not many people came up to have a chat, never gave him the opportunity to express his uncertainty. Instead, allowing for it to churn away inside him. He sipped at his drink as if it was his first, and he had just come of age. He'd been watching the couple for just under an hour now, catching glances of them out of the corner of his eye, seemingly oblivious to everything in the room except their beautiful baby. They hadn't been particularly hard to spot, with the man's horns curling at his jaw, and the smallish green wings that came from the woman's back along with the baby were enough of a distinguishing factor. Is this saga? Read on. Oh, dude, I... Oh, fuck. You know I love Saga. Okay. I was actually just telling someone about that yesterday, but how they need to read it. Um, his eyes darted around the room, confirming the location of the other two bounty hunters, who were also astutely watching the couple. He slumped down onto the bar, resting his head in the palm of his hand, bringing the glass-up uh, glass lips again, sloshing some of the stale beer onto the stained wood. The bar, quiet enough to allow him to keep his ears trained on any noises behind him as he stayed slouched over his glass. Waiting for the telltale scrape of two chairs, when it, when it eventually came, he, reminded perfectly st- uh, he remained perfectly still, counted to 30 in his head. The two men he had noted followed behind the couple. He smiled at the bartender before sliding from the stool and making his way out, pulling his collar up as he moved through the door, his eyes finding the couple almost instantly, walking at a steady pace in blissful ignorance at how much their lives were in danger, and with a kid no less. Idiots. The two men, who, had, who he had initially thought were working separately, signals one another as they followed behind. 
Due to his height, it didn't take him very long to catch up to the men and stagger into them, his eyes half-closing. I love how you give them, like, one detail, and they're like, yeah, this is, like, pretty much the only thing we got. Because they're trying really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being the worst patient, like, customer of all of time. Of course, yeah. Oh, uh, it's like tall. I don't know. I don't know. He's tall. It's like with uh, Amazon and the Lord of uh, the Rings of Power. It's like, what do we know about, like, any of these elves? And they're like, I don't know. They're tall. And they're like, anything else? They're like, no. Uh-uh. I don't know anything else about these guys. <laughs> <laughs> so they're just going to keep leaning into just, like, one thing. <laughs> um, sorry, did, didn't mean didn't mean to, Alex slurred. Get off me, you drunk. That sounds just like me normally. Fuck. Uh, the man shoved Alex, sending him in the direction of the other man who caught him around the shoulders, laughing at Alex's expense. You know what? Is this drunk thing? Did you also tell them about drinking? Because I am drinking some Jameson cold brew, and I'm pissed at you now. No. Um, they inferred that. They're like, Florida? Okay. So that's, um, that's how Florida shows up in this. <laughs> when, I, uh, when I went to Costa Rica for Christmas, we were walking down the beach, and I was like, I, I, I saw a dude with a Texas hat on. And I was like, oh, hey, Texas. But, you know, I didn't, like, say anything to him. And then the people I was with, I was like, yeah, I can't really do anything crazy because if I do, I just know the story will be Florida man does X. And I just know right. that that's just too fucked. So I have to, like, always be on my best behavior outside of Florida. Yeah. yeah. Keep reading. It'd be, he caught Alex about his shoulders, slightly stinging his sunburn. <laughs> his flip-flops got all floppy. I, um, again, I have to shout out the creators because I gave them so little to work with. <laughs> no, no, I'm not making fun of them. I'm just making fun of, of you. <laughs> um <laughs> The man shoved Alex, sending him in the direction of the other man who caught him around the shoulders, laughing at Alex's expense, exposing his sunburn. That part was me. Look at the state of him. He can't even stand upright. The man laughed as he kept a hold of Alex around the shoulders. We don't have time for this. Toss him to the side and hurry up. The other man looked between them and the couple, his posture tight, most likely contemplating whether to abandon his friend and perhaps collect the bounty all for himself. Thanks so much. Alex looked at the man holding him for a moment more before he sharpened his eyes, straightened his posture and brought his arm back. Truly, thanks for making this so easy, he said, before smashing his fist into the man's face, knocking him to the ground, and out cold with one punch, causing his friend to charge at him instantaneously. Alex, not missing a beat, locked his arm into the elbow of the attacking man, spinning him to the ground before driving his knee into his face, effectively knocking him out with one blow, too. Did you tell them that I'm, I'm like, really fucking cool and I'm, like, really good at fighting? Because, like, that sounds true, too. I, I did tell them that you're a massive wimp, so they, they're not great at following instructions. Hmm. I don't know why you'd lie to them like that. Uh, he grinned to himself as he turned towards the couple who were now watching him. The woman held the baby tightly to her chest. Thank you. How does, how does the woman know that uh, she was going to get attacked? I don't know. I'll read on. I'll read on. The, uh, her short, dark hair rustled in the light breeze, her footing tentative as if she was contemplating taking a step toward him. You're welcome, Alex replied, flicking the side of his mid-calf coat back away from his thigh so as to bring his rapier out with a flourish. You can repay me by coming easily and quietly with me. Yeah, come with me. Come, come, come with The man moved in front of the woman. I knew there was uh, another one, Alana. He spoke through his gritted teeth. Okay, it's Saga. That's fucking awesome. I love Saga. Yeah, well, forgive me for being kind to someone who technically saved our life. Alex cleared his throat. If you don't mind. He gestured with the metal point in the opposite direction they had been headed. This war won't end just because you bring us in. I don't really care what what it'll do. I get given a job. I take it. I get paid. Do you not think there should be more to it, more to life, to care about something, to fight for something? Alex shifted uncomfortably. Alana, the man placed his hand on her arm as she moved a step forward. Marco, just trust me a moment. I, I stand for whatever makes me money. I don't believe that. We all must pick a side. I believe we all have the ability to stand for more if we choose it. So do you choose it? You're not leaving Cleve unless it's in my custody. So that's it? You just, 
turn in two beings newly with a child, no idea who they are or what they stand for, and you can live with yourself, live with your conscience. No doubts or thoughts niggling at the back of your mind that there could possibly be more for you out there. Your sympathy speech won't work on me. He licked his lips, tightening his grip on his rapier, noticing he had let it go slack. Won't it? I can see the indecision on your face. A lesser being would have attacked us by now, but you're not lesser, are you? You are seeking more. Oh my god, that's... They alluded to that in the first paragraph. He felt his chest rise on a deep inhale, could feel the furrow between his brows, and then seemingly unconsciously, without really thinking, he lowered his weapon. What am I supposed to do if I'm not a bounty hunter? Alana just smiled at him. There are many things you could, and if you follow your intuition, I'm sure you'll find the right one. A moment passed where they all seemed to take each other in. Well, he and the man named Marco did. Alana just seemed very pleased that she was right about him. I guess I could start by pointing you in the right direction off this planet, if you'd like. Alana smiled at him while Marco frowned. I was going to take care of that situation, you know. Marco looked at him, dead in the eye, his warning clear. Alex nodded before giving them a wide berth to take the lead. My name is Alex, by the way. It's nice to meet you, Alex, seeing Alana's bright expression when he turned back to look at her. You know, one of these days you're going to be wrong, and the other being is just going to go straight for the attack. He heard Marco grumble at Alana. That was good. That was cool. That was fun. The, other, the note I want to say is that the, and the writer was made this clear up front, but I wanted to test them. They had no knowledge of Saga. Had never read it, didn't know okay. what it was. Yeah. So I, I think um, what they did as a writing choice in their strength is they picked something that was, I mean, the obviously if the perspective character is me, uh, they didn't have to know much about Alana and Marco and Saga. They basically just had to know space, some ca- physical character uh, characteristics, and bounty hunting, which is like part of the story. So um, I think the, the writer chose... Um, to write about something in their strength, like in the strength of the, the information that they had. Um, they could have really, really tried to lean into the idea of Saga, but if they didn't know it, it could have ended up really wrecking itself. And I think they made some good decisions by not doing that um, along the way. Wow, it's like, yeah, I feel like that they, they should have done. This is like if you were writing Mandalorian, you didn't know much about Star Wars, so you wrote what you knew. As yeah. opposed to like, ah, and then a lightsabers come in, and yeah. then a force happens, and then they mm-hmm. all have a force, and it's just like, it's all messy. So. Yeah, and it's and it's very. I would say um, as a like, and uh, maybe this is like a stupid observation. It's very um, unmessy, and the fact that um, it, I mean this this could have been in between you know in chapter uh, saga chapter you know two in between these two pages. Like this could have happened at some point, um, and because the perspective is not Alana or Marco, um, it's like it's it's a good like distancing technique. So um, as far as paid fan fiction goes. Um, it might be a quote unquote safe route, but I think it's a route that works, and um, I'm really I'm really happy with the the story, the, at least the way that the story turned out. Yeah, I think it also does that capture of like the hyper violence of like you beat the crap out of the other bounty hunters, yeah. and then there's like a more like think you know thinking through things, talking moment yeah. where a less violent route is chosen. So like yeah. those two being together, even mm-hmm. though maybe it wasn't uh, conscious a decision, yeah. is kind of in Sokka and a lot of their their issues. For sure, and I think there are some details here that work with Saga that uh, the writer may or may not have known, um, aka all the bounty hunters going after them. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, so clearly, with without saying like, "Oh, these people have a mark on their head," having multiple competing bounty hunters on them at the same time, uh, having the perspective character not be surprised that they're what he originally assumes to be two separate uh, people hunting them, that works within the realm of Saga. I mean, it's. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is the bits of information that this author was able to gather about the the source material that they didn't have a lot of knowledge on, I think they used very effectively uh, and very well. And so uh, certainly hats off to that. What do you think? 
yeah, no, I, I think it's great. Obviously, I'm very happy with it. So uh, shout out to them. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, you ready to move yeah, on? Great job. Thank you. And Next Ryan, one. thank you for, for picking Saga. And thank you for not picking sex things because I know that I was like just a dick about it. But um, Saga is super cool. If, if, if you haven't read it, it's Romeo and Juliet in Space written by Brian K. Vaughn, who infamously doesn't know how to finish a story well. But Saga hasn't been finished yet, so it's been really good. <laughs> just wait for they, the terrible ending. Exactly. They've been on a year's hiatus for about three years now. Um, and uh, I think her name's – how do you – Fiona Staples. Fiona Staples. Is, she um, is great. I mean, her artwork is awesome. Uh, I really can't say enough good things about Saga. And the issue is Saga is always one of those those comics where when someone says, like, oh, you, you read comics, what do you like the most? I always don't go to that immediately, and it doesn't make any sense because you it's just – You have to flex I, I, yeah, everything really, else. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I actually – I was talking to someone the other day. And I was like, oh, you're reading comics? And he's like, yeah. And uh, I was like, uh, what, are you reading anything right now? And he's like, yeah, I'm reading this this like uh, indie book called Monstrous. I'm in the first volume. I was like, cool, I'm on volume six of that. And he was like, oh, <laughs> like, I feel like such a dick. I was like, oh, you think you like Monstrous? Uh, okay, tell me about all the other volumes. But like, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, I guess I have to flex. And then I always like get to Saga at the end. I'm like, you know what? Throw out everything else I just said. Read Saga. It's really good. Just focus on that. Whatever. The other sh- stuff, shit. Um so yeah, I, I have I know we did our graphic novel rankings. I don't think mine has changed too much since we did that. And Saga, I think, was when both of our top fives? My top five at the very least, wasn't it? The uh Michael the, the Bendis Superman hasn't surpassed that yet? No, I don't like to s- it's like I have to see the completion of B and B's rape of Superman. I, I can't um do it, you know, mid action. You know it's gonna be a classic, but you just have to let it play out. Like, yeah, exactly. You know it's gonna be amazing. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um speaking of which, you um I know we're like kind of bummed on on uh, Tom King right now, but when the trade comes out, um, he has a uh, story out right now called Human Target, and I have the issues. I just haven't read them yet. Apparently, it's supposed to be really good. So if you see Human Target one for some reason, if you're at a store, uh, this is actually directed at you, Ryan, and you want to pick it up, you should pick it up. Apparently, it's really good. His Rorschach series, utter disappointment, whatever. Um, but apparently, Human Target's really good. Cool. So that's the first one. So I'll skip on to number two. This one has an abstract, which I just find hilarious. <laughs> okay, so yeah, this one, number two, uh, from Zara underscore A underscore on uh, Fiverr. Okay. Uh, a li- more familiarity with the source material. Wonderful. I, I had a very strong idea where I- how I wanted this one to go. So they were working within very tight guidelines. So this okay, is, so this you... Is, okay. This is, I essentially was like, I want you to write this. So I, I uh, just, like, no, the premise is shaky. It's because I... <laughs> it's your premise. premise. Okay, got it. Um, should I read the abstract or should I? You should read it all. Read it all. Okay. So abstract. Do you want abstract. me to tell you? I'll tell you what it is afterwards. You'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, Let me see if I can guess. If I can guess the, the thing. Okay, abstract. The planet of Arrakis poses a notable and valuable opportunity for the Imperium to expand its resource pool and furthermore manage their rare spice melange in such a way that the great houses may come to an agreement on its equitable management. In taking the role of a cultural anthropologist, I offered my services to the House of Atreides to ensure their understanding of the desert planet was appropriately informed and sensitive to the current inhabitants. Hence, this ethnography... This is... Dude, (laughs) you motherfucker! Okay. Uh, This ethnography should provide the parties interested in extraction in this area with a greater understanding of the competing interests in the area. Notably, great caution should be exerted when interacting with the delicate cultural ecosystem and tribal networks of the Fremen on what has now come to be their home planet. 
Although this report was meant to be a preliminary device, significant shifts have occurred within my study, Siege, as news of prophetic leader, the mysterious Muad'Dib, has spread. Therefore, I feel obliged to utilize my specialist skills and training as an anthropologist and mark the beginnings of this shift for the good of the Imperium. Motherfucker! Dude, fuck you! <laughs> fuck you, dude! God damn you! Okay, I, it's written like a real abstract, so just right off the bat, that is like how an actual abstract should and is written. <laughs> Which is just like, God damn you! <laughs> fuck, dude! You're like grading it in your head as an actual professor. <laughs> That's awesome. Fuck, dude. Literally, I was gonna say, like, um... Oh, it's written like a fucking research paper. Okay, great. <laughs> I paid someone to write a research paper. I'm so sorry. I'm so <laughs> no, sorry. that's awesome. No, that's so cool. No, I'm right so off sorry the bat, who I made write a oh, research you made paper after research going to school. <laughs> right off the bat, uh, none of the uh, paragraphs are indented, so I take points <laughs> off for that. No, I'm just... <laughs> oh, no this is awesome. Okay, this is super cool. So, obviously, cultural anthropologist sent to study uh, the Fremen culture... And then this crazy thing with Muad'Dib happens uh, partway through, and then okay, I like where this is going. This is super cool. And and um, I don't know if it's if it was a, like a typo or something, but I love that. I think some of them are mentioned as instead of Fremen, free man, which is yeah. like if he was like a total outsider, he would just be like mishearing it. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't know if that was conscious or not, but I, I love that as a little bit of this story. That's yeah, that's super cool. I I'm excited to see where this goes. Okay, unique adaptations of the Freeman. Yeah, that one, that one, there you go, free men. Um, having arrived on the planet of Arrakis, I, su- I could suggest that any populace permanently living here would fall into environmental determinism. What the f- does this person, has this- <laughs> okay, that, that's an actual term from Anthro, yeah. Um, there is a little alternative. As a non-native of the planet, I was instantly aware of my own mortality on its burning sands, even with the mechanical aid of my still suit. There is little wonder that water is more valuable than blood among the Fremen culture. There is limited variation in the landscape. The Freeman people live with their, within sieges, built in rocky outcrops where there is a, where there is shelter from the sun and heat. As to the differences between the individual uh, sieges, I cannot attest, but there is a strong sense of universal culture with a near obsession with water, its preservation, and the survival of the fittest. Issues are resolved uh, through hand-to-hand combat, and the leader of each siege is appointed after they vanquish the prior. Evidently, as a primary academic, I was ethically obligated to remain in my role as observer while not strictly alerting the siege uh, to that very role in my early arrival, given the hostile attitudes to ill-intentioned outsiders. Therefore, I have been fortunate enough not to have to prove my worth multiple times. Experimentally, I can support the popularly held view within the Imperium that the Freemen are extremely talented warriors. Oh, experientially, I'm sorry. It is possible that I may I may need support from the Imperium should I be challenged by another male member of the Siege once more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm a little, uh, little shrimpy boy. That's all right. I was fortunate enough to be able to observe a fascinating Freeman ritual uh, highlighting their cultural fascination with water and its life-supporting importance. I felt this belief exerting a growing sway upon me after several weeks inhabiting the Siege as an outsider, growing more natural and incorporating itself into my daily vocabulary, along with the new Fremen-specific uh, insults such as worm-headed and sand-brained. Despite the cultural significance and near worship of the sandworms in Freeman culture, I am fascinated to note that there is a degree of subconscious resentment towards the conditions that hold them in this planet. There is certainly some restlessness that would pose a significant threat to the house and the Imperium upon arrival. At this ritual, a young child passed away. Instead of a traditional burial, the corpse was brought to the, quote, death stills, which was an all-worthy experience. The Freeman do not consider the recycling of the body in this way taboo, but necessary, which could be linked to the necessary need to conserve resources at all costs, combined with the strict cultural rules the siege leader uses to maintain order. I know taboo, taboo is a like just a regular like colloquial word, but it is very anthropological. So like, goddamn it, <laughs> I don't know if this if this author knew that and did it on purpose. But if they didn't, like, 
really good way to get lucky. Good for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think they just lucked out on that after saying environmental determinism. They had to just like uh, terms about anthropology. Got it. Or they knew, <laughs> or they, or they know, and like that's super cool. Like I'm, I that's really awesome. Um, the water produced by the young member was saved for later use. It is possible that I may have consumed some of it in the small quantity of food and drink I have been offered with suspicion since my arrival. They will not offer any of this water as fi or tax a payment to Imperium, and given its cultural significance, I would go so far as to say this is understandable. When I expressed my support for the small act of rebellion, they grew a little less wary of me, understanding that I am primarily an anthropologist rather than a staunch supporter of every act of the Imperium does. It is being, uh, it being a complex political agency with conflicting demands. Obviously, I will not interfere in its will, but wish to heavily inform it of the consequences of disturbing the Freeman. Um, so now we're on to the section, Potential Risk to the Imperium. Um, given that I am without sponsors nor funding, it would be disingenuous to ignore the extreme reliance the Freeman have on spice. To advocate for a potentially unpopular opinion in the name of simple observation, the House of Atreides may find significant resistance in their attempt to exert f full control over Arrakis' spice supplies. It is a poignant sight to witness when the light of the blue moon filters through a small natural cavity of the warren-like hold of the siege, and the unnatural blue eyes of my Freeman companions are immediately highlighted. There is an equal, uh, equality to it. Uh, there is an equality to who is allowed to consume to the spice in comparison to the wealth-based hierarchies of the Imperium. Having consumed a small quantity of the spice in the food I was given, I can confirm that the drug does indeed taste different every time, with variation from nutmeg to cinnamon. I must also disclaim that my eyes remain their original color, and therefore I have not reached a point of dependency where this report cannot be trusted, for I believe it contains an important message of the off-closed, a closed-off cultural ecosystem of Arrakis that we would be better off, leave, uh, uh, better off leaving undisturbed. They spelled color with a U. I have some idea where they're from. Uh, the warriors of the Freeman do not need the Chris knife to best most uh, in combat. They are furthermore more proud of their status and notoriety, and hence would certainly form a dangerous guerrilla force to any attempting a full conquest and seizure of Arrakis and its spice. Um, can I just – Matt didn't write this, right, from uh, <laughs> no. Drinkopedia? Okay, good. Or I guess Gate Leapers now? Okay, good. making sure. It's the only <laughs> – no, no. he's not the only British person in the world? Are you sure? Uh, no, there's a couple other. Okay. Harry it's Potter. Like a, it's like a tiny <laughs> Harry Potter one. Harry Potter and Pierce Morgan. That's it. Uh, <laughs> Okay, prophecy in the Freeman culture. This may come across to, uh, as a hasty addendum extending beyond the scope of my initial report, but it is too significant not to note. Seven months have passed since I have arrived here, and the Conquest Project has continued with the arrival of the House of Atreides. I should offer my support to the cause, but I will also note that I am personally extending my stay to chart the unfolding cultural shift I am witnessing. The Freeman accept my presence among them with the belief I have some power to help the prophecy as a member of the outer world. We have known for some time that the Freeman believe heavily in superstition and prophecy. The Freeman already have a prophecy about the Lizan al-Gaib, a voice from the outer world. It must have been evident to them on, on my arrival that I was not to be this voice, <laughs> although I sparked some discontent among the siege. They talk of a paradise. This paradise is to be on Arrakis. Mothers tell their children that they will be led to paradise. The siege leader rallies his troops into the desert and their still suits to scour for resources and spice by reminding them that the voice has already arrived. The question is, where and who does this voice come from? I am too distant from communication to understand this myself uh, fully myself. I would recommend the Imperium take steps to research this mysterious voice and prophecy, as, from my research experience, the climate here could shift into something more dangerous than the prior, already delicate situation. Conclusion. It is too early for me to draw conclusions in this cultural study. Let it be known that, should conflict break out, I will likely still be residing within the, uh, with the Freeman. The shift I have seen with the arrival of the mysterious prophesized figure should be a matter of concern for the Imperium. Hence, I'm sending this as an early research draft to inform the Imperium of the situation on Arrakis. A fuller analysis of the ongoing cultural analysis caused by the apparent un unfolding of a long-held Freeman po prophecy will follow promptly. Should I still be alive? Alex. That was fucking awesome, dude. What the hell? <laughs> I know. It was executed so well. It really was. And uh, so this is um, 
I'll get a little nerdy about my job. Uh, anthropology was originally developed, conceptualized, whatever you want to call it, very, very early on um, for uh, uh, missionary work uh, and like Jesuits and stuff like that. But then later on was actually used uh, by uh, European powers uh, to basically get reports on how to rule their, their colonial subjects better. Uh, oh. So uh, a lot of the really famous French anthropologists uh, of the uh, mid-1900s were a part of the like uh, French uh, forces in Algeria. And so some of the stuff that they wrote is about Algeria, but at the same time, they're literally as a part of this like conquering force um, in the desert and like interacting with these people day to day. Uh, so that's really cool that the Imperium would send an anthropologist to, to go live with the people on this planet so they can roll them better. I mean, that's 100% how it happened historically. So that I, again, I don't know if this person knew this and they were like, oh, I have this really cool insight into this, or they stumbled into it or they, they researched it, but no matter what it is, great job, honestly. Um, that's a really cool premise. What the fuck, dude? I gave you having sex with Hermione. I feel like an asshole now. I, yeah, no, just and kudos to them for like not like literally. I came to this person. They have very good ratings. They were. I spoke with them. They were familiar. I didn't ask. They're familiar with how to write a research paper or anything about anthropology, and then they just knocked it out of the park. I think they did a fabulous job. They really did. I mean, I mean, I can definitely tell you either. They did some close reading online, or if they went to college, they they took at least like a general anthropology or sociology course at the very minimum. Um, having taught a course like that, and uh, hang on, sorry, there we go. Trying to put a beer down. Um, no, that was really cool. Thank you. Uh, I don't know if there's. I'm just. I'm honestly the concept itself is so fucking cool. I don't know if I have a lot to say about it besides like that was really neat and the person did a really good job. Um, damn. If it is true, then damn. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we gonna indict? Johnny Walker? All right, real quick, I gotta let I gotta let Nelly out. Okay, okay do your thing. All right, I'm back. Hello. Cool. Yeah, um, no. Okay, so... Um, are we, like, officially back, back? Yeah. Okay, back. Yeah, so that uh, that artist, that writer is Zara, Z-A-R-A underscore A underscore on Fiverr. And very communicative. Did a fabulous job. Zara, uh, thank I was you. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to find a better Dune fanfic than that. Um, no, no. I'm, I'm going to be real with you, dude. And again, I, okay, this is what I can say about it. Again, with sort of, like, the saga one... This is, and I think this might even tie into the Lord of the Rings thing we were talking about. This story itself is on such the periphery of the bigger story at play that if this was produced into a book, a movie, a show, it is not unbelievable that it would happen simultaneously with the first book. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's on the periphery, but tied enough to it and still dependent upon the, the original story itself with the whole, like, coming up and, like, figuring out what the prophecy is. And with that, I, I I would love, and this is just because, again, this is my job, I would love to read a whole book of just, like, research papers of this person, like, reporting back the changing tides on Arrakis. Like, oh, the Fremen have changed. They're doing this now. And, like, um, you know, I've I've done this thing, so now they're comfortable showing me um, worm writing or something like that. Because there's, there's actually this really funny story about some anthropologists that went to South America and they were – this is, like, a story that they – like, everyone gets told in their first few years in anthropology. Um, they're working with the Yanomamo, who are a, a, a group, uh, an indigenous group, I believe, in Brazil and in uh, central South America, north central South America. Uh, and um, 
they 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 get worked with a lot. The Yanomamo have a lot of people that go to them because they they're this group that uh, has been relatively depending on the groups because there's multiple Yanomamo tribes. Um, uh, some of them haven't been totally like integrated into Western culture or Western society, so a lot of them still have their indigenous ways. Some of them don't. And there's this really infamous story where these guys went down there and they spent like a whole year with them. They're building kinship charts. They're like writing all these like really thick. There's a thing by a guy named Richard Geertz called a thick description where it's like you describe Geert everything. After? Richard Geertz. Geertz. Um, I think it's Richard. Uh, but you, you describe everything in this like it's, it's thick description. So they did this like thick descriptive work. They did these like kinship charts. They did all these different things like myth. And then like I think it was like a year or two after the Yanomamo were like, hey, you're, you're cool guys. Uh, we'll just let you know all that was bullshit. And the guys are like, what? And they're like, yeah, we made all of that up just to fuck with you. And they're like, why would you do that? And they're like, cause we didn't trust you yet. Oh, that's awesome. And so like, I would love to like read this where the guy's like, oh, no, found out everything's wrong. So sorry. Just like, oh, fuck. So like, no, this was, this was really cool. This was really like, I, I swear to God, I'm printing it out and I'm putting it on my fucking dune shelf. So whoever wrote this, Zara, awesome. you're going up there with Frank and Brian and Kevin. That's great. Um, but no, that's cool. Yeah. I just think it's interesting. Like, it's like, Obviously, there is that angle in the actual book with Liet Kynes, the planetologist. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, how much better served would they have been if they weren't so obsessed with the resource, but they focused on the populace. Yeah. They focused on the humans, the people mm -hmm. that were there, and uh, just deployed the same strategy. They, they would have been a lot better suited. So Exactly, yeah. And I, I think, um, especially with Liet, there's a lot there that is anthropological. And Frank Herbert, when he studied at University of Washington, couldn't pick a specialty. So he just did like classes in ecology, classes in anthropology, classes in history and like all these different like, political science, which is why Dune is is this like really, really thick and complex book about all of those things. Um, and that's why a lot of people who who have interest in history and anthropology do really, really like myself um, kind of like get attracted to the story because it's just this it's this super cool thing about different cultures and clash of cultures and colonialism and imperialism and and sort of how those things are going to look in the future if we become a space variant civilization. Um, so super neat. I really, this was cool. Thank you, dude. I really enjoyed it. Um, and thank you, Zara. This, this is, uh, really well written. And, um, like I said, I only take a few points off for the, the indentation thing. But besides that, uh, uh, I really enjoyed it. So thank you for writing it. Wow. It was, uh, it was banged out through the, the clunky fingers of a still suit. So you're going to have to, that's the, probably, yeah, it. Yeah. can't really do a lot of, uh, can't do a lot of formatting that way. All There's right. Tab so on that. We got our last one. We're coming on to our last one. This one is, uh, the Fiverr account uh, is Andrew B. Writes. Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. So Andrew B. Writes, all one word, specializing in all fan fictions, all fandoms. I gave him uh, I gave him another kind of more targeted one, mm -hmm. um, still with the same caveat that you were tall and from Florida as the Wonderful. only information about you. Wonderful. And also, I'll just, sorry, don't feel bad. Andrew also does an indent at the beginning of his paragraphs. So it's not just you. It's not just you. It's apparently a very common thing. And I, I know that it's a common thing because I have to yell at, 18-year-olds about it all the time. Uh, wonderful. Okay. Should I start? Whenever you're ready. Okay. Alex had always stood out from the crowd. Not that he let that bother him. Back home in Florida, <laughs> one of his most notable features was his height. The kind that cast a shadow long before he came into view. <laughs> At school, he never... <laughs> okay. At school, he'd never been bullied, nor had he wasted time being a bully himself. Research was what fascinated him most. In this world of heroes and villains, good and evil, knowledge was, truly was power. One of Alex's earliest memories is of the comic collection he procured as a young child. These comics followed the Minutemen, a collection of heroes dedicated to the pursuit of justice. But these heroes were no fantasy. Uh, they were flesh and blood, a group made up of people from all walks of life. And even then, Alex dreamed of journeying to New York. 
Uh, so Watchmen. This is a Watchmen. A super dope. I fucking love Watchmen. We all know that. Um, most people his age were happy to... Also, by the way, growing up, I never wanted to live in New York. And I already, like, fucking ruined that dream because I lived there. But, um, <laughs> but it does follow the arc. Like, it's, it yeah, is for so sure, far, yeah. it's pretty true. No, no, it's, yeah, it's pretty Except true. The the arc so I don't know where they're getting this tall. I'm thing. casting a long shadow long before I get there. I thought it was going to be, like, a long shadow of, like, a legacy. And it was like, no, just, like, an actual physical shadow. Got it. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. Just keep reading, man. It'll, it's going to make sense. <laughs> most people his age... What, am I going to become the shadow? Uh, most people his age were happy to accept the shiny veneer of the Minutemen's public relations team fed to the American people and the wider world. But Alex was driven to learn more. He wanted to see what made these heroes tick, what it was that spurred them on, even in the face of the world's hardships. Thus, his interest continued to blossom as the years passed. While at school, he became a voracious reader and studied any sentence, any scrap of paper that might bring him closer to understanding what makes a hero. He was inspired by what he learned, and in time, Alex matured in his studies. Um, I mean, I guess the obsessive nature I have about research sometimes they kind of got, but I don't really know how they'd know that. So I mean, yeah, I definitely didn't, didn't tell him. I yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think he told him. Yeah, I'd become a fucking maniac. Um, and it never, or as I, I've been saying recently, I like tweak for a little bit. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep a few nights ago. I was like, I'm just gonna fucking tweak, and I literally was like doing schoolwork for like three hours until like three a.m. It was bad. I sh- it's so fucking unhealthy. Um, it had never been just a hobby, but as he grew, it became his calling. Stories of the Minutemen existed only in childhood comics, faded newspaper clippings, and stories from Alex's parents. It soon became clear to Alex that he wanted that uh, that what he wanted most was firsthand experience. He wanted to challenge himself to see if he too could become a hero, to see what he was capable of. Focusing more on athletics, Alex began to train his body and his mind, taking up boxing and a number of combat sports, all in his pursuit of turning himself into a crime-fighting machine. The years passed by with relative quiet until there were rumors of a new superhero group being born. Once more, New York became ground zero. Hmm. New York became ground zero for the face of American superheroes. As it does many times throughout history. For the face of American superheroes. Um, Is this uh, Ron and Hermione just going to jump into this from Tumbling Towers? No, that can't be touched. That that is uh, that'll never. You can't. Amazon can't buy that. They can't, they can't touch that. That's perfect. It's perfect. Okay, I guess you're right. Okay, um, but this time Alex wasn't going to miss his chance. Being at an age to attend college at this point meant that Alex had a reason to go to New York anyway. If all else failed, he could complete his studies and at least make some form of a living for himself. Going to New York finally made it clear why the premier superhero group seemed to materialize almost exclusively in New York, as if out of thin air. The city was a lost cause. I agree with that. New York was dying on its feet. A I, want of, this, I want you to read this like a noir, like it was dying. I'm just going to do, I'm just going to do Rorschach. I'm just going to do my, my version of Rorschach. New York was dying on its feet. A canvas of sin and callousness. A wake up call that taught Alex, caught Alex totally off guard. Countless factories dotted the city, rewarding those who worked there with pollution and lung cancer. Most times ending in death. Thick clouds of smog hugged the streets, and the grime of the city seemed to cling to every surface like a second skin. The feel of this diseased city soaking into locals and visitors alike. Trash cans overflowed, feral rats were mundane, and all who walked the streets did so with heads down and coats closed tight, huddled against the world and against each other, placing no trust in either. It was beyond disheartening for Alex. This city of dreams was closer to a waking nightmare and any glimmer of glamour stayed buried under countless layers of grime and indifference. Finally, it clicked. Holy, okay, I actually really like that paragraph. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, surprisingly true. I mean, it's uh, they must live in New York or have visited, and they're like, oh, this is what New York's actually like. Uh, but very true, very true to real life. <laughs> okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep being Rorschach at this point. New York needed the Watchmen. 
It needed fantastical stories of superheroes and good triumphing over evil. It wasn't quite an opioid to the masses, but it was enough to give some people hope, enough to bring brightness to a dull day. It was just another lie, but perhaps it's a lie that has its merits. Alex patrolled on the very first night he got to New York. The pitiful, decrepit ground-floor apartment he was getting overcharged for was set in the back streets of the city. The issue wasn't finding crime, but trying to decide which one to address. He settled on the frightened cries of an unknown woman. Her cries led Alex down an alleyway that was all but abandoned, save for the woman herself and the two men harassing her. Alex wasn't much sure if the men wanted money or something more from their target, but he didn't much care. It was hard to deny his nerves, but Alex spoke up, trying to suppress the uncertainty in his voice. There was a moment silent, a silence when the men laid their eyes on Alex, and at that moment, the woman ran away. If nothing else, at least she'd be safe. Alex had expected the smug sneer that was met with... Uh, Alex had expected the smug sneer that he was met with. Most people wouldn't take a stranger in a superhero suit too seriously. What he wasn't expecting was the knife. The fuck? <laughs> the fight had started off well, for Alex at least. He'd taken up boxing and initially used what he'd learned. But this wasn't the ring. These men were animals, hunters, and they had no qualms about killing. The only emotions registered on their face were anger and hunger. They seemed almost soulless, and a part of Alex had to pity them. He grappled with the man with the knife first, trying to wrestle his weapon away, but this just left his crony unimpeded. Alex could only turn his head away as the blows were rained upon it, and his makeshift helmet started to wear already. The cold bite of the blade and the sting of hot blood snapped Alex back to the moment. His survival instincts kicked in. These men were animals, so Alex fought like an animal, targeting weak points, unrelenting in his attack, but still banged up. Alex prevailed and later limped back to his desolate living quarters. His landlady let him in, never once asking about his costume or the freely bleeding wound in his side that he nursed gingerly. His amateurish uh, stitching skills have left Alex with a nasty scar on his side, but that night was so long ago, and he was many more scars to show for his work. He was wrong about New York. It's not as bad as he first thought. It's far worse. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. I mean, again, I, that's I your exact this, take. That's your exact have, take. Have I spoken with this person before? And they're just like, okay, just making sure. There's no grand distinction between good and evil. There's just people, sick people infected by a sick city, victims and criminals alike being crushed under the weight of their own failure and powerlessness. Honestly, this I, I want Andrew B. Rights to, to, to do a treatment for the next Batman script. I mean, yeah, honestly, either that or uh, like a question movie or something. That'd be pretty fun. Give him the question. Um, Alex joined the Watchmen eventually under the name The Pillar, which he thought was fitting due to his height and his desire to be an upstanding hero and a pillar of society. Okay, it's like cheesy, but it's not bad. You know what I mean? It's, it's cheesy, but it also fits, it fits all of the other heroes. It, it, yeah, it fits it. It's like, it's just like, I, you know, when you hear superhero, you like, you want to be like, I guess... I guess you want to be a symbol, but you also want to be something like intimidating to criminals. And no one's gonna be like, "No, it's the pillar!" Like, but also, like, I, you know, I get it. Also, uh, if we're gonna connect it to Dune, um, I believe Usul is the base of a pillar and needs to be a good, strong foundation. So, uh, again, I don't know if this person, I've, I've spoken to this person, and they know, but uh, they didn't. I'm gonna make the connection anyways. Um, if you were told to write a superhero story about someone, and all you knew is they were tall. <laughs> They were tall and they liked Watchmen. Got it. I got it. And from Florida. <laughs> Surprised it wasn't like the Palm Pillar or something. Uh, however, what Alex found with them was just more of the same. Secrets and lies. Mind games and hidden alliances. There was a lot of talk about doing the right thing. And some of the groups seemed to buy it. But in reality, it was just surface level travel. The real world didn't care what side you were on. 
people were still sick. Uh, they still die. They still suffer. Alex sometimes wonder if he'd have been better off staying in Florida. But whatever that happens, but whenever that happens, he just thinks of his first patrol. Now he got that scar. Regardless of how the world is, he still helped that woman. He knows that if he can keep helping even one person like that, it'll make all the scars worth it. Over time, Alex has improved his superhero suit. The helmet he uses to hide his identity has been reinforced, along with his overall outfit uh, durability. Knives don't pose too much of a problem these days, but of course, guns are the popular choice among the criminals now. Still, Alex feels that he's found a sense of purpose with the Watchmen, or at least what's left of them. Night Owl is a help when it comes to upgrading gear, and Silk Spectre makes the odd appearance, but most members have broken from the group almost completely. The comedian is exclusively a solo act, and Dr. Manhattan always seems distracted. Unreliable somehow. As for Rorschach, well, the less said about him, the better. It's funny. Alex never thought he'd be the one peddling lies to the public, but as it turns out, that's just part of the job, too. In this desolate, barren city, what the people need is a lie to hold on to, something to comfort them on the cold, lonely nights. Through it all, Alex stills believe, still believes in doing the right thing and trying to help people. The Watchmen might not be all they're cracked up to be, but that doesn't matter. Alex started his career as a hero on his own, and if he needs to be alone again to help those in need, that's what he's, then that's a sacrifice he's willing to make, because there are a lot of people in New York City who need help. God knows there are a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> so this isn't really a fanfic about me. It's just a fanfic about how fucking terrible New York is. And I love it. Wonderful. Yes. Thank you. Yes, yes. Um, that was fun, too. That one paragraph about all that shit is really well written, um, regardless of whether or not you believe that about New York City. Really well written at the very minimum. Um, <laughs> I like that. That was fun. Um, again, I think uh, where the other two might have stayed on the periphery, this one kind of inserted itself in it, which I think is sort of like a trademark of fan fiction, especially written about someone. Um, I mean, we literally had a fucking coffee shop soulmate fic about you and Ray Solo, so clearly that's not like a part of the uh, main continuity. It's Ray Unlike, Skywalker. It's Ray Skywalker. Ray, I'm sorry. I did say Solo. Sheesh. Ben Solo. Um, and they're not... The kiss wasn't romantic. The kiss was, was platonic, as mm -hmm. you do. Yeah. Um, it's an yeah. enforced technique. Oh, <laughs> uh, yo, Ray, come over here and uh, suck me. It's a forced thing. Sorry. Um, I hope I hope no one else in the Jedi Council has ever said that. Um, but this one, obviously, is, is a little more inserted in than the other two. Uh but I like it. That, that was fun. And it was, uh, the pillar was, is an interesting uh, concept. And I guess, um, you know, at least it wasn't, I don't know. It could have been way worse than the pillar. Not that that's bad, but it's just like, <laughs> I, I actually, I, first time I saw it, I was like, huh, but I feel like I've really, it's really grown on me a lot. Mm -hmm. I like it a lot. I feel like, especially for someone who was so inspired by the Minutemen, like, yeah, that is the name you would choose. Yeah. Like, something. Is, yeah. 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 Something it classic. is golden era. It is Jesus. Yeah. It is. But like, yeah, that's like someone who takes it. That's someone who's very earnest, who's very honest about it. You know. Yeah, I, and I think that's that's a good um, a good way to describe it. And I think that's a good trait for it. I just I picture like me as a crime fighter, like standing next to other pillars, like outside of a bank, just like, and then when like the bad guys run by after robbing, I just like like <laughs> cut face, to it, and they're like, like, like oh no, it's the pillar. You're like, like from the Blue Man Group. Your face is painted. You're like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Have you ever seen that jackass bit where he's like painted like the background and the bull runs at him? No. It'd be like that. Um, that was really... I like that, though. That one was fun. Um, yeah, I like that. I like the the uh, Watchmen. I would have... Maybe would have liked to see a scene where I went out on patrol. Because um, I, I think there's definitely... Especially with narrative writing, there's a way to give information that's very much like, here's the information. And there's a way to give information which may be a little more like the first one where it's like, I'm going to give you information without directly spoon-feeding it to you. And I'm not saying that we were like spoon-fed in this one, but like this one definitely felt more like this is this, this is this, this is this, as opposed to like the, um, 
the saga one where it's like i'm not going to tell you that they're they have a hit out on them i'm just going to tell you that they're a bounty hunters and you like are left to imply that mm-hmm. um so i'd say that's that's a big difference another big difference obviously that this is like a little more inserted into it um but i enjoyed it it was fun and it's uh that's the point of fan fiction is to be fun um it's fun to imagine myself as a part of the watchman uh i like how it's just like as for rorschach the less said the better um maybe i should have been doing a rorschach voice the whole time but definitely interesting. I, I, we both do the same thing so yeah we're both the same room. guy <laughs> you're the rorschach i'm the pillar fuck you like <laughs> um that was fun i liked it um thank you uh a- andrew andrew Martz? b writes thank you andrew b um and thank you ryan for for commissioning the pieces uh these were fun i enjoyed these did we do anything else at the end of yours where we like talked about them as a group or um uh, no i just think this kind of dovetails nicely with what the opening topic was about you know you should just stay in your lane. If you're a logistics yeah. supply chain company, you can't come up with something nearly as good as the three things that I paid $10 for. So yeah, agreed. And I, I, yeah, stay in your lane. And not only that, but it's like, and I don't think that stories need to be told with a point, but I do think that a storyteller, uh, you know, wh- whether they acknowledge it or not has a point in their head. And uh, like, so I guess the best way I could explain that is uh, I really, really like Michael Moorcock's Elric. Um, the Elric stories that Michael Moorcock has done. And one of the things that he talks about with his Elric stories is uh, Elric was like one of the first, he wasn't the first because this was actually like a Norse mythology thing, but he was one of the first people in popular culture to have a, a sword that um, ate souls. So Elric had a sword that ate souls, but it also gave him power. And when you read that, you're like, okay, that's fun. That's cool. If you look more into it, you think more about it. And Michael Moorcock has stated this, the sword is supposed to be representative of drug use and how like people who are using drugs feel like they have more vitality when they're on the drugs than when they're not on the drugs. So Elric actually g- gets this like addiction to the sword, which means he gets an addiction to killing because he gets addicted to the power that he feels when he uses the sword. Do I have to read Elric and know that there's this like thematic undertone about drug use? No, that'd be annoying if it was, if it was that obvious. However, there still is that, you know what I mean? And so it's like, I feel like a, a, a story that can resonate with people maybe better than others is one that like has an underlying point um, but maybe isn't so in your face about it or, or isn't so like preachy about it because then that just turns into fucking propaganda, AKA sweet Florida. And, uh, even though that song's amazing, uh, but it just turns into fucking propaganda. And, um, so I feel like when we're talking about like Lord of the Rings, and we're talking about like the economy, where these stories go. It's like, I feel like if you're going to put a story set into a larger world, it has to have a point. It should have a point, but the point should also either be in conversation with the other points made in that story or maybe in contrast to the other stories made uh, uh, in that universe. And so I definitely feel like uh, there was a lot there, especially with the Dune one, that could be in conversation with the book Dune. Um, and it, I mean, it could literally be as simple as like cultural change. And um, that's one thing that's really big in Antho right now is like how cultures change and how they lose themselves um, to may- maybe like larger points of, of uh, dominant powers. Uh, and so like there, I mean, there's a lot there that I think that could be said in conversation with. Um, and so I liked it. And I, I like you said, I think it kind of ties back to the rings of power thing we talked about earlier. Um, so they were good. These were really, these, I feel like an asshole for, uh, giving you shit ones. They're not shit ones, but you know what I mean? Like, like ones that weren't serious. Like these three were very clearly serious. Um, and then mine were like, you're going to, uh, and I love, I like, and again, I like, I fucking love the coffee fic where you're soulmates with Ray. Like that's so fuck. It was so fucking good. But like, it's not me to be like, Hey Ryan, share this with your friends. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, like I, I, I will honestly probably show people like the Dune one and be like, Oh, look at my friend commission for me. You know what I mean? But like, it's really hard for you to be like, Hey, do you want to read about me having sex with Hermione? I know you do. I mean, I, I have already done that. It's, yeah, yeah, you no, see I it. Mean. It's right up on the wall here. I, I <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I sent it to my parents. 
Um, oh, cool. What do they think? They haven't talked to me since. I think they're stunned in silence because of yeah. how awesome it is. Well, they've, they've been busy reading it for <laughs> right. these whole yeah. few months. That it's very dense. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I yeah. will say Zara underscore A underscore. Um, you didn't, you did not work in the fact that he's from Florida, so I will not be paying. Mm. I yeah, actually yeah, will yeah, not yeah. be paying for the uh, commission, but it was really good, and I appreciate it. But you, you, we, you, you didn't broke, work it in there. You breached the contract, so I'm actually going to... It's literally it. space. Where's the Florida planet? Give me a Florida planet, please. Fuck, that'd be awesome. Um, I don't think yeah, I'd ever leave. I think you're. Uh, I think you're right. Um, you gotta have something to say, or you gotta at least have skin in the game. Like these, yeah. these, these authors obviously have skin in the game. They enjoy the content, so they don't want to yeah. just like throw it about casually. So those. No, no I mean, important. also the you know, as far as the skin in the game goes, um, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming this isn't anyone's livelihood, but this is this is probably a fun source of income for them. And they want the good rating. And, and also, I, I'd like to think that Fiverr is small enough where it's not all profit-driven. Like, hopefully, maybe if they're a part of this, like, writing community, they also want to give people a product that they'll enjoy. Or they want to they want to tell stories that people are actually legitimately happy with. And, um, you know, fan fiction isn't supposed to change the world. And it's not supposed to, like, be the end-all, be-all. But if, if it can take up a few hours on a Saturday afternoon and, and make people laugh, I think that's sort of the point of it. And I think these three authors did that exactly. Um, and I, I think... Um, that's, what's really cool about it. So I, I appreciate again, Ryan, the commission that was the really, um, I, and, and also, you know, not to give you too much credit, there was all, you know, I kind of forced you to do the commission since I did the first commissions. Um, so really I gave you a gift that was nothing but an obligation. I mean, I mean, really hats off to you. Like <laughs> hats off to me you. for being so smart. No, that's all I'm saying. Forget about, forget <laughs> about the commission. Forget about the authors. Forget about them. Hats off to you. Hats off. To, I'm Let's awesome. Hear it. I'm great. <laughs> hey everyone. Just give me a clap. Go me. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just being an asshole. Um, and thanks for the three people writing those things. I obviously understand you were paid, but um, you could have made them a lot worse than they were, and I don't think you did. So I appreciate you actually putting thought into them and um, making them interesting. And and uh, uh, first first drafts only. I had no notes when they sent them to me. I was like, good. that's perfect. You know, I don't think I did either. Um, no, I don't think I did. Because, I, I, you know, the way that I look at it is... Um, Oh, I paid you to do it. You know what I mean? Right. You know I, it's like I like you didn't come to me and be like, "Hey, I want to write something for you," and then I like gave you feedback. Like I came to you, so it's like, "Oh, am I gonna really be an asshole and be like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no? Mm-mm, well, that's he'd never that's, do this." That's the weird thing about it is like even like you have to think like, why would anyone commission them? Is it just for me? Am I are they ghostwriting? You know, yeah. some people specifically say they're ghostwriting, but is it literally just like? Nah, nah. That's not that's not what Naruto does. No, run it back, run it back. You run it back. And then so uh so here's a question. Uh when in your your Fiverr pur- purchases, did any of the people um include like a free revision? Cuz some of them do that. Oh, no, I didn't I didn't see. I didn't see if that okay. was yeah. one of the options. For those of you trying to commission uh um uh fan fiction on Fiverr, there are some people who will be like, "Hey, you get three free re- revisions and three's a lot." So maybe not three, but like you get a free revision or like, you know what I mean? Hmm. I'm checking now. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Uh, I had no notes. I had Perfect. No notes. No, and I, I, and I had a very specific. <laughs> it ranged from very specific details of, of what I wanted to just like you've never read the source material. He's from Florida. <laughs> and I, 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 that's the the saga one. I think they handled it really well. Honestly, had uh, Andrew read Watchmen or did he? Did he yes, even say? he knew Watchmen. He did know. Okay, Watchmen. cool. Um, okay. And I, I think uh, we may have converted. Uh, I, I tried at least my best to convert Deborah Connell. Deborah Connell, who wrote the uh, saga fan fiction, I was like, "You got to go read it." Yeah, at least regardless of what happens here, go read yeah. it. Yeah, le- yeah, at least read the first one. I'm sure you probably spent enough for her to buy the first saga. 
Um, so at least buy the first one. You know what I mean? Yeah, give it a shot. Exactly. Yeah, those are really. What good. are you gonna no. spend that on? Groceries? Yeah. What Come the on. fuck? What pandemic? Fuck you. Um, what the uh, stupid? Um, well, cool. I appreciate it, dude. These were fun. Uh, thank you to the three authors again. That was fun. Um, and I think this little Fiverr experiment works. I think uh, again, it's it's not changing the world. It's not reinventing the wheel. It's it's something for you to share. I think the Fiverr ones are for you to share with with other people and to have fun with them and and to um, you know just kind of riff on stories and riff on your place in the stories that being said i do own them now so i'm going to post them under my account so i get all the clout all my clout I own them. it's all me um then i'll take i'll take the points off for you not indenting the beginning of your paragraphs <laughs> but I, of them. I do think um i do think this may have spoiled me because it is very nice to have an on-demand story where as opposed to just like scrolling through the website yeah. <laughs> i think that's like a it's like no more am I surfing network yeah. TV or cable TV. I have on-demand service now. Yeah, you on demand. And I do <laughs> yeah, have to exactly. pay for it, but I really can't go back. It doesn't matter. And, you know, <laughs> I, I think this is one thing that I've been I've been thinking a lot about recently, especially with, like, just I, everything. It's like, well, there's a, there's an economy of time as well. So we have, like, a monetary economy, but we also have an economy of time. And so you're thinking, like, well, who's going to commission people on Fiverr? Well, maybe it's people who just have a bunch of money and just want to, like, share things with their friends. But it could be people that want to hear stories. And want stories about specific things, but don't have the time to write them themselves, or or they don't have the good idea or whatever. And so I, I think um, being able to not only um, like to, to not save, you, I, I think that the fact that you can save your own time and, and delegate this to someone else to write um, is cool. And I, I you know I, if you want fourteen hundred stories about you and Ray at a coffee shop, I mean you can get them, dude. Um, I might I might have to sign up for like some sort of Fiverr uh, credit card so I get points back. I can start Fiverr getting, Plus. getting some kind of uh, yeah. points reward system. Uh, Fiverr Prime, yeah. Fiverr Prime, <laughs> Fiverr Omega Plus, Fiverr Omega Plus for sure. Um, well, cool. That was fun. Look at that Fiverr episode part two. Go us, um, Ryan. What are you What are you stoked on? Should we do like multiple stokes since we're like it's been a while? Or are you stoked uh, on anything? No, or? definitely not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I no. Always uh, fuck struggle. That. Always struggle. Okay. <laughs> Um, with one, uh, <laughs> what am I stoked? You know what I just saw? I just saw Chinatown, the Roman Polanski. Really? Uh, okay. And Roman Polanski, a hero of mine, not for his filmmaking, for how he's conducted himself personally. Um, uh, what? <laughs> oh, hang on. Uh, Chinatown is just like a movie from like the seventies. Um, yeah. honestly, I was like, I watched the Batman. I was like, this is good. There's something better, and I just yeah. well, I decided I would watch these movies that it was all that it was based on, or it yeah. kind of like was inspired by, it. and it's I mean, it's phenomenal. Is like, it really? It's, okay. it's like it's super slow. Yeah, but uh, I'm also just actually I do have two Stokes. I'll talk about the Stokes. Okay, Stokes. okay. So we can go back and forth. So that's interesting yeah. that you're stoked on that. I guess I'll pick up. I can pick a film that I wasn't gonna, if I had to pick two, I wouldn't have picked two films, but I'll I'll pick a film. Um, that I saw recently. My other one, I, I already mentioned it was going to be Elric. I really like Elric, but I don't need to talk about. It. I already kind of did. Um, I, I have found that I'm very film illiterate, that like, uh, my, my knowledge of film is very low. Um, if you want to talk about early two thousands and, and 2010s comedies, I'll be right there with you. Um, but I, besides that, I don't, I don't know. I, I always talk to my friends and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't watch movies. And then people are like, you don't watch movies. And I'm like, no. Cause like, tell me when the fuck I'm going to do that. But anyways, so like, yeah, it's good that you gave Chinatown. So as a, as a literate film to give. Uh, have you ever seen uh, Stalker by uh, Tarovsky? I think his name's Andre. Um, it's based on a book by the Strugatsi brothers called Roadside Picnic. And the idea of it is uh, the way the Strugatsi brothers described it. They're sci-fi. They're Russian um, or Soviet, technically, um, sci-fi writers. 
the way they described it is that if humans go to a park and have a picnic, um, what would happen when the ants and the other animals that are still in the park go to the trash they left? How do they interpret the trash? So the idea is that these aliens came to Earth, did something real quick, and then left. And so there's like there's like refuse left there. And so this like area becomes known as the zone. And it's like, well, what do you do when you get into the zone? And like, how do you interpret the things that they left that when you have I'm no context zone, for? When I'm, Dude, in zone, <laughs> when I'm in the wing zone, I'm crazy. <laughs> when I'm in the wing zone. Um, so Stalker is a Soviet-made film from 79 um, by Andrei Tarkovsky. Tarkovsky. And it's about this guy who's called a stalker, which is basically a, a um, fuck are they called? Uh, people that like lead you across borders. Coyote. Uh, coyote. He's basically a coyote that takes people into this area called the zone. And in within the zone, there's a place called the room, um, not starring Tommy Wiseau. I know you want it to. And it's basically, if you go into the room, you can have the uh, deepest heart's desire wish fulfilled, like granted. Um, and so he takes people in. Um, one of them's a scientist, the other one's an author, and it's basically like him on the journey to the room with them and sort of like what it would really mean to be able to get everything you ever wanted. Um, and then one of them kind of takes it upon himself to be like, well, okay, well, what if everyone finds out about this? Like what's going to happen when people come here and they want to be dictators and they want to be mass murderers? Like this is really dangerous. And so it's this sort of like existential Soviet film, not surprising about something like that. And, um, very slow. Uh, it's very, it's like two and a half hours. Um, but it was really good. I actually, I ended up really liking it. Um, is and it I, on any streaming platforms that we can, HBO max, HBO max. You can watch it right now. Which um, is too. Okay, cool. It's actually a part of the criterion collection stalker is. So it's, it's been redone. Um, and I actually found out that, um, cause I was watching it for a class. The one, the link that we were provided is an older restoration and the translation is different between the two. And I found out that, um, Tarkovsky, I think that's how you pronounce his name, had at later in his career had this like obsession with quote unquote God's fools. And so um, when we were watching, we watched a clip of it in class. Um, the clip that they showed was a different translation. I don't even know why I would pick up on that. Like, why the fuck do I remember what the fucking translation was? But for some reason I did. And then we kind of had this discussion about, because um, in the in the film it just said like, oh, you're an idiot. But in the in the, the one we watched in class, it said like, you're an idiot. The one that I watched, it said, you're one of God's fools. And I think that's why I remember Because I was like, what does that even mean? So then we had this like broader discussion about Tarkovsky and like this idea of like a, like God's fools and stuff like that. Um, but I really like Stalker. Like I said, it's slow and it's, it's very like reflective and, and paced out and... Um, but I think if you're into that kind of thing, you you'll really end up enjoying um, Stalker. So that's that's one of my stoked ones. I, I really liked it, and it um, it's one of those things where like if you had told me five years ago I'd like Stalker, I'd be like fuck you, dude. But like I'm a pretentious little prick now. So what's your second stoked on? That's cool. I'm actually I'm gonna watch that. That sounds awesome because I would imagine been... from a Soviet perspective, if you could go into a room and get whatever you want, it would be like um, a roof over your head, security <laughs> yeah, number, and bread, and like yeah, 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 for sure. And um, it's and it takes it. Um, to give you context, too, it takes play, uh, place after this, like, big alien event, basically. Um, and they're gone. So then you also, like, like what does that mean? Like, And you don't really know what it's alien you think it is. But it's like, what does that mean that now that they're gone? Um, but the movie was filmed at, uh, before Chernobyl. So it has these very, like, Chernobyl vibes. Um, but it's actually based on a 1957 Soviet nuclear accident and not the 1984 Chernobyl accident. So just, just so you know, it's not about Chernobyl. It's about a different Soviet nuclear accident. Um, okay, and then my other stoked on is I have started um, I've started experiencing it via audiobook, which I would say is a is is the format to do for this. Um, but I recently have gotten into uh, The Witcher, the first book Ooh, of the Witcher series. Okay, the Last Witch, Witch, yeah. Last Wish. Very important distinction. 
um, and it's fantastic. It's awesome. I had no idea going yeah. into what the format of it was. I never played the games. I didn't really know anything about it. But have you seen the show? I've never seen the show. Oh and, shit! Uh, okay. And uh, I'm starting to to pick up that this the first season was kind of based on this this book. Yeah. But yep. It's um yeah I mean it's awesome. It's really awesome. And the guy who's doing the reading is like um is like Norwegian or he's you know like a thick of, Polish accent. No, he has like the accent of because I don't remember the name of the writer exactly where he's from. Andrzej Sapaski, I think he's Polish. Oh yeah, it, it has has that kind of like Nordic kind of accent lilt to it. Yeah. It's like a perfect audiobook. Um. And it's just written in like a really digestible, like fast pace. Like keep you coming. Yeah. It's like it's like an old like Sherlock Holmes, but with mm-hmm. Monster Hunters. Like there's a mystery component to it, and then he moves to New Town. There's a mystery. It's very serialized. It's very good. It's awesome. I mean, it, cool. everyone loves that series, but like, yeah. I'm just echoing it. Like you, if you can, you should get yeah. the audiobook and just listen to it instead of whatever crap podcast this one. And yeah, just listen to it. This bullshit. What um? What's the what's the reader's name? Because I'm sure there are different versions of the the audiobook. <laughs> Standby. No, that's fine. While you're doing that, I'll say I have seen Witchers season one and two, and the people that like the books have said the show is loosely based on the books. So there is uh, the Last Wish. There is like an episode that deals with that pretty heavily, but I don't, I don't know enough about it. I've only seen the show because of Henry Cavill. So it's uh, narrated by Peter Kenny. Like Peter oh my Kenny. god, they okay. killed Kenny. Peter Kenny. Oh my god, they killed Peter Kenny. Um, yeah, he does. He does a great job. He does a really great voice. Sweet. How long is the audiobook? Just out of curiosity, uh, eleven hours. That's a pretty, pretty standard audiobook. Yeah, pretty yeah, not that bad. Um, I've been listening to those while I drive recently, so that's oh, that's good. Interesting. Yeah, okay, so that's, last that's a wish. really good one, and it's like, like, like I said, like each kind of section of each chapter is very short, and it has mm-hmm. a kind of a mystery to each section. So it's very like, hop in the car, drive. You're going to listen to a section. It's going to end. You're going to get out of the car. Nice. It's, very it's, nice. It's perfect. What's the average time of a chapter? Just uh, for uh, uh, it commute? doesn't actually have it like broken out that way. What would you, what would you say? Um, I would say there, so they have, um, like chapters. He has like mm. chapters, which are like a, a central like arc or a mission yeah. history or a job for him. And then they have like these interludes and the interludes are probably like no more than like 10, 12 minutes. Okay. But each wanna... mystery is about an hour okay. change. And then the sections of that is probably again, like 15 minutes. 15. Okay. Do you want to explain like for anyone who hasn't seen Witcher stuff, like what Witcher is or. Yeah. I mean, no, it's, it's, it's like he's a contracted killer specifically for exterminating Mm-hmm. monsters and beings and, and things like that but the way it's written is very much like just like a mystery like he comes to town so there's something's happening someone's disappearing he goes around he's interviewing people i didn't expect that i thought it was going to be like and then i held my it's it's a lot a lot more methodical a lot slow like more you know not 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 because i said it's very fast-paced obviously but it's a lot more cerebral than just like and then I maybe slashed, maybe procedural that's a good point yeah it is okay it, it's a lot like a procedural that's it okay I was, I was trying to help you out. Um, interesting. Cool. I like the show. Show's a lot of fun. Um, and I don't know if the show's like that because like, I could see this being no, awesome it's show not. where it's like each chapter is a mystery and it's not like that. No. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, they could the definitely only... get there. I mean, and it would be yeah. kind of like how Buffy the Vampire Slayer had like a different monster every week. Mm-hmm. That's what this is like. Okay. I don't want to spoil the, the book for you, but I'll say the show plays with chronology. Let's say that. So it's it's not I don't know it's not very procedural but it, it is very like monster of the week sort of it it is not clear at all what um what the timeline is like when okay. he, when he starts up a new job he's just like in the town so it's not like okay. again you're kind of getting this like myth it's like myth building of this character I think it's yeah. really well done yeah and I I like Geralt um I will tell you though however Geralt Arivia is very heavily based on Elric of Mona, Melnibone so 
I looked um, up how long that book was. It's like 700 pages, so I'm out, dog. No, the one I sent you? Like the other one I told you to get? Elric? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it says. It's four of the original novels in collected. That's why it's 700 pages. I'm out, dog. Okay, be out, dog. But I'm just telling you, it's 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 literally like the four like four of the original series. Little bitch, you think I don't have that shit? I keep the motherfucking thing on me. We're video chatting, and I just showed him the copy of uh, Michael Moorcock's Elric Melnabone, uh, Melnabone with an introduction by Neil Gaiman uh, that just just came out. Um, it's it's yeah, it's literally like I think the first. Let me see. Was this ASMR? It's the first four books put together. So honestly, a pretty good uh, value if you if you try to buy the four books in the original print, it's like three hundred dollars. So a tenth of that ain't bad for four books. Um, cool. So uh, Witcher, that's a good stoked on. My second one uh, is uh, Hyperion and uh, the Fall of Hyperion. I don't think I've had a chance to say I was stoked on that. So I I really really enjoy it. Um, Hear me. Here you go, Ryan. Here's another book that I'll I'll show on the video that other people can't see. Um, but Hyperion, written by Dan Simmons. It's a uh, Hugo Award winner. Have I said that I'm trying to read all the Hugos on this before? I think so. Okay. Well, I'm trying to read all the Hugos. Hyperion is one of them. And uh, the first Hyperion, I've, I'm on the second book, basically, out of four. Uh, the first Hyperion is basically Canterbury Tales in Space. And for those of you who don't know what that means, it's basically like a bunch of people telling their stories. All at the same time, uh, or you know, one after another, and so um, there's a thing called the Shrike, and the Shrike is this uh, like it's treated like a death god, but let's just say it's a death god. Um, it's this being with four arms and um, metal coming out of it, and with like razor blades and stuff. And um, there's a Shrike cult that has taken over the web, which is what they call their like system of 200 planets that are all interconnected um, by like portals. This was written before the internet, right? That's just yes. incidental. That's called the yeah, web. yeah. But there, there is like this like uh, supreme UI that's sort of like uh, in the story. I don't want to give away more, um, but basically, um, if you do a Shrike pilgrimage, um, seven people go, and you all ask for something, and the Shrike kills six of you and gives one of you your your wish. You get makes... seven Dragon Balls, bro. This sounds like a ripoff. It's a yeah for sure. Dan Simmons is a fucking uh, cheat, and uh, so this is like a this takes place in space. And meanwhile, in the background, there's all this, like, political stuff going on with, um, they're called the ousters. They're people who, like, didn't want to be a part of, they don't conform to your system, bro, okay? They're not a part of your galactic system, bro. Um, but they, so that's Hyperion 1, where they, like, all tell their stories for going. And then, um, Fall of Hyperion is, is about the aftermath of their journey, or, yeah, let's just say that. So I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's really good. It's, it's written, um very thoughtfully and it's it's sort of written like this like great myth from the past but it's it takes place in the future and um it has a lot to say and it does a lot um and i really really like it so um it's very long if you're looking for a very long read go ahead and read hyperion and uh if there is a god bradley cooper will be adapting it because and i'm saying that sarcastically but he he has said before that hyperion meant a lot to him in college and his friends in college and so uh his production company that he just formed is going to uh, adapt Hyperion for the screen because he saw the success of Dune and realized that people fi- there's finally an audience for something like Hyperion. I was about to say, it's like a little Denny part two. That's great. That's great. Literally, yeah. Um, it would do a lot better to be a series because there are uh, individual stories. So like each episode could could serialize one of the stories, nah, but they're not doing nah, that. Nah, they're going to shoehorn that into a two-hour film. 
Yep, it's going to be really disappointing. So I'm hoping Rocket Raccoon doesn't uh, shit the bed on that one, but he's he's definitely going to shit the bed on that one. <laughs> um, and then, okay, just one more. We don't have to speak on it too much, but I think we're both can endorse this one as a stoked on. You had me read The Forever War by Joe. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. It's probably, it's probably, honestly, it's probably the best book I've ever read. It's okay. It's I'm glad you liked book. it that much. No, I'm really, really happy you liked it that much. I really, really like that book. It's really good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. And, uh, do you, do you want to like explain what it is? Nope. No. Go read it. Okay. All I'll say is a Vietnam vet gets back from Vietnam and wants to write sci fi and says to himself, because back then it was, it, Vietnam was being described as this forever war. And so he says, what would really happen if there was such a thing? I don't know. Is that like a sort of a good, like, uh, synopsis, like a good little teaser? Yeah, it's like, it's it's that concept mixed with Interstellar. If you liked Interstellar, yeah. yep, yep, and you want a real perspective on PTSD, trauma, and and like kind of the separation of yeah. of, of people who've gone through very insane traumatic yeah. experiences, it's uh, it's awesome. I really, I don't think there's anything wrong with that book. I think it's perfect. I I'm glad. I'm sincerely glad you enjoyed it that much. It is it is like sincerely that good, and it's it's one of those things where it stands on its own so well. I mean, you read it and you're like, holy fuck, that was just good. Um, there are two other books, but they're not directly connected. One of them is like an alternative timeline and the other one is something else. Um, but it's uh, Forever Free and Forever Peace. But you don't have to read those. Just read Forever War. Just do yourself a favor and read it. It's just – it's it's a Hugo winner and it's, it is just such a solid read. Um, there's literally nothing wrong with it. I, I And it's a good – it's a good uh, length too. Yeah. It's it, like I read it on a flight and it's – yeah. Yeah. It's um, – yeah. It's very, it draws you in, and it's not like a classic, like oh, Ender's Game military no. strategy. And it's so human. It's so yeah. It's so good. Yeah, it's it's definitely told by the perspective of someone who has underwent something like that and has something to reflect on. I don't want to say he has something to say because I don't think he's saying anything. It's not that he's not saying anything, but I don't think he's trying to like push it in your face and be like, "War is bad," because that's I, not really what the book is. I think he's doing a really good job of making you understand the emotion. Of, of his experience yes that's a really like, good way to he's say putting, it. he's uh, making a very uh hard to relate hard to empathize experience yep. he's making it like a very logical experience for you yeah and um i mean dang it's yeah it's dope it's just solid and i, I think of like maybe a good example for anyone who's listening um you know like the concept of time, time dilation where if you move close to the speed of light time basically slows down for you relative to people who are not close to the speed of light i think it's a really simple way to put it um he undergoes this process and then he goes back to earth. And so the, the way that veterans feel when they return home from service, how they feel like they, they can't relate anymore and they feel like home isn't really home anymore. He does with time dilation. So he, he, you know, he comes back however many years in the future and he's like, I don't know any of these people. I, I don't know anything about the politics here and I don't really care. Is that kind of right, Ryan? Yeah. And it's also, I mean, it's, it is written in the seventies. There is like some parts of it that are about, they, it kind of touches on even like sexuality about yeah. it, which, you know, you could feel one type of way or another. I, I was yeah. fine with it. And uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Read it, I, I, right. You know, read the book contextually. About, right? Yeah, exactly. I know exactly what you're saying. Um, read the book contextually is what I'd say. Yeah. And I, I just yeah. think, um, yeah, I mean, I never want to see this made into a movie or a TV show. I think this is a perfect mm-hmm. format of a book. Yep. Nope. Yeah, it should, yep. It's like one of those little obsessions. I think if you read, yeah. you'll get obsessed with it and you'll be like, Agreed. I really want to tell people about it, which yes. is to me. And I thought I'm now I'm doing it to everybody. So yeah, no, for sure. I'm glad you're talking. No, like I said, I'm, I'm sincerely glad um, you enjoyed it. I also gave you the sci-fi masterworks version, um, which is pretty cool. That That's a cool series. So if you know what that is, go ahead and grab more sci-fi masterworks versions. Um, I love the cover of it. That's such a cool cover, honestly, with that, that blue and yellow and green hue. It's like so fucking cool. Um, 
there is a comic of it. So if you don't want to read, um, get the comic. I haven't, I haven't gotten it. It's expensive because they're not making it anymore. So people know that people want to read it, but, um, forever. I'm glad you're stoked on that too. It's really, really good. I would, I honestly, sincerely of the, I've read about, um, I think I'm at about, at about a third of the Hugos that have ever been written. So it's a, a third of a 70. So whatever that is my top five right now, in no particular order, Dune, Hyperion, Forever War, um, and then Ender's Game. It's actually Speaker for the Dead and then Canticle for Leibowitz. Those five are just like solid as fuck. Canticle for Leibowitz, I don't know if we talked about it on the show, is also fucking awesome. But um, yeah, we don't have to get into that one. So really good books. I uh, I don't know about you, Ryan, but when I finish a book, I feel a lot different than when I finish a movie or when I finish a TV show. So um, yeah, get the Forever War and read it and tell us about it because we'd love to hear your opinions, honestly. And since Sweet. I'm the only one who will listen to this later, I will, Alex. <laughs> yeah, tell, tell me about it when you reflect upon it later. Um, I'll, whenever I read Forever Peace and Forever Free, I'll tell you about what I think about those too, if they're worth them. But we'll see. Uh, well, sweet. I think that's it. I think we've got on long enough in a triumphant return. Um, definitely look out for episode 67 and 68, and then uh, maybe there'll be something sick coming later. I don't know. He's leaning back, sips his beer. That was for like, who's not watching. because He crushes like... a fucking beer afterwards, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's been Suck My Fanfic. Follow us on Twitter. Whatever. Don't. Who fucking cares, honestly? If uh, we're, we're speaking into the void, and we appreciate if anyone from the void listens. Um, sincerely. So, uh, have fun with that. It's almost 420, which is also pretty fucking sick. Like, time, not the date, but that's pretty fucking sick. And, uh, Ryan, uh, is there anything we should remember? Hey, if there's one thing you should remember, stay in your lane, and no amount of money you can dump into a project can replace the heart and soul of three people who also had a small amount of money dumped into their project. <laughs> <laughs>